Support for this show comes from Sylvan Learning. When children love learning, they can tackle any challenge life throws at them. Sylvan's insight assessment can help you determine if your child is ready for what's ahead. It can also identify gaps in learning and point out areas that could be of concern for your child so they can tackle what's to come. And right now, it's the best price of the year at $29. Go to sylvan29.com to learn more and get your child's assessment for only $29. That's S-Y-L-V-A-N-29.com. The 2021 NFL Draft is upon us. It is, I guess, the NFL's version of Christmas Eve or Christmas Day, however, I don't know, a holiday of some kind. Happy to have all of you with us. I'm Anthony Cazenza with John Sheeran. We are going to be going live as the Bengals go to their pick, set at number five overall. There's a lot of news to get to. The NFL Draft itself is kicking off. We're going to be with you through the Bengals pick. John, how's it going, buddy? Everything uh, everything going well? You hanging in there? You know, um, this day has been just all sorts of crazy for a lot of reasons that we'll get into. <laughs> we'll have plenty of time to discuss why exactly it's crazy. But this is just like I was I woke up today and I'm like, they really made a movie about the NFL draft, right? Like that was an actual <laughs> thing that they did. Like they would never do that with any other league in their draft, right? But the NFL draft, it's just different. There's so much hype with this 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 thing. And even if nothing else happened today, you know, we would have had plenty of stuff to talk about and plenty of stuff to, to talk about on, on this show. But a lot of stuff did happen. Today. That's just that's just the nature of the machine that is the NFL. And it's why every single year, regardless of how our teams are doing, there's always the same amount of hype. and There's always the same amount of hope. Absolutely. And to call this a crazy day, it would be an understatement. And as everybody has kind of predicted the number three pick, the number four pick, and the number five pick will end up shaping really the entire first round. Now, let's start with the the holders of the number three pick, the San Francisco 49ers. They traded up to get that pick, presumably for Mac Jones, potentially for Trey Lance as well. Justin Fields may be in that conversation too. But now there was some early rumblings, John, that they were involved in a potential trade for Aaron Rodgers of the Green Bay Packers. And then now there's another player involved, uh, meaning a player, meaning a team uh, for a potential trade of, of Aaron Rodgers. You want to catch us up on that one? Oh man. So of, of course, like four hours before the draft starts, there's a report about Aaron Rodgers being disgruntled with the Packers going back to when they drafted Jordan Love last year in a very head scratching move. And the fact that, you know, Rodgers felt betrayed because he wasn't told about their plans and it just feels like a very Michael Jordan, Jerry Krause situation where it's just the, the superstar is being misinformed or not being informed by the management. And they're kind of thinking about the future without him. Then the next season happened and they lost in the NFC championship game. He went on jeopardy. Someone questioned about who decided to kick the field goal. And it's been all kind of mounting to, to this moment. And I guess he or whoever leaked this information did it at this time 
to maximize the amount of leverage and to maximize the potential of them actually performing a trade. And now it appears that there is potentially, potentially a trade or at least the language of a trade in the works between the Green Bay Packers and the Denver Broncos. Apparently the Broncos are one of the first teams to reach out to the Packers. I think the Raiders were the other team, but like it hasn't happened yet. And we don't know if it is actually going to happen, but it's been reported by a couple of people and we don't know when it's going to happen. But if it does, like, it's just, I guess, the bow tie of something that just came out of nowhere, but I guess has been building for over a year now. So a lot of things with this, John. Number one, the Denver Broncos would then not potentially be a, a trade partner to move up for one of these quarterbacks and leapfrog maybe the Cincinnati Bengals who sit at number five. That's one thing. Number two, if the if this trade goes through, the Bengals play um, both Denver and Green Bay this year. So those two games take a completely different shape. The AFC West and their quarterbacks all of a sudden have Justin Herbert, who is emerging as a star. You would have Aaron Rodgers in Denver. And then, uh, of course, Patrick Mahomes. And then you've got uh, Las Vegas. I almost called him Oakland, but I didn't. <laughs> Las Vegas with Derek Carr. And who knows, you know, they may surprise some folks this, you know, this weekend as well with a, a potential quarterback uh, selection here. Things are getting started in Cleveland. Here's another one I want to share this. Uh, we'll, we'll get started here. There is now it has been debunked a bit, but there is some growing buzz all of a sudden. It seemed to be a foregone conclusion that the Bengals were going to be drafting Jamar Chase at number five overall. All of a sudden, there is a growing sentiment through a pretty prominent Twitter account. I'll pull up the article on cincyjungle.com relayed to us by Jason Markham that some buzz is building for Panay Sewell to the Bengals at number five. Now, whether that means a trade back or what have you, who knows? But John, uh, this is Scott Barrett, a guy who has a prominent Twitter following out there. And he expresses basically that Panay Sewell will be the pick at number five. Is He's hearing it's locked in. And then he takes it the, the next step and says, I heard several days ago from a Cincinnati source that the head coach, meaning Zach Taylor, wanted Sewell. The offensive line coach wanted Slater, which is very interesting. Burrow wanted Chase. Ownership leaned Chase. So uh, what do you make of all of this, man? I know our, our man Malik Wright has kind of debunked this a bit, but what do you make about this whole thing? Well, I would like to stand with just Malik because he's never been wrong before, and I don't know why he would be wrong now, but – like we we talked about the Bengals don't normally deploy smoke screens. It's usually just whatever you hear. It's more or less true. But I think Joe Goodberry said it best. If I'm the Bengals and I'm I have Chase as my pick, I would do nothing more than just tell people behind the scenes that I'm going to take Panay Sewell. And that may have been something that has been said. Maybe now it's being spread amongst league sources, but. I think this is just way too late in the game to actually mean anything, especially when every single beat writer and you have plenty of national um, insiders and analysts all leaning and really just settling in on chase. So I don't, I don't deny that Scott had, had been hearing some of this. I just deny really just how much it means, especially this close to the draft. And I think how Malik Wright put it was basically how he debunked it on Twitter. You can go, and find that maybe I'll try and dig that tweet up as well. But basically, Malik Wright kind of said, "Look, my sources are within the organization. Your source is someone connected to. You're kind of getting it from an outside source that is connected to the inside of the organization. So basically, there's another arm's length, I guess, is what Malik was saying 
in terms of Scott Barrett's sourcing of this um, of this news. So, you know, the rumor mills are going crazy. Who knows what's going to happen at three now? It sounds like San Francisco may be out of that running for Aaron Rodgers. Will they go quarterback? Might they go? I don't know where else they would really go to move up to number three there. I know there's been kind of some uh, not very committing committal language, I guess, to Jimmy Garoppolo by, by the ownership there. And then of course the wild card at four Atlanta, are they going to go quarterback? Are they going to go Kyle Pitts? Might they go Jamar chase? You had the lions trying to move up ahead of the Bengals at number four, right, John, to, to try and reportedly get Jamar chase. That's another one that's been coming up over the past 24, 48 hours. So, you know, after the first couple of picks where we think we know what's going to happen, Trevor Lawrence and, and Zach Wilson going to the Jets there, you know, the next three picks are going to be hold on, hold on to your seats there, it seems. The 49ers timeline has been so fascinating to me. Like they traded up, <clears throat> excuse me, they sacrificed like two future first round picks. And you think initially, okay, this is for one of Justin Fields' trailings. They they're gonna get a quarterback that's a caliber that they don't currently have. Like they've they've had Jimmy Garoppolo for a couple of years now. They know what he is. They know that he was the main reason why they lost in that Super Bowl. Kyle Shanahan wants to get better. He wants to just elevate at that position while also continuing to run the scheme that he wants. And then <laughs> these Mac Jones rumors started swirling around. And I don't think that was ever illegitimate. I, I think that the 49ers did had int- did have interest in Mac Jones as a, as a guy that Kyle Shanahan obviously liked, but. I, th- I think that was that was all. It, all those quarterbacks were a part of the conversation, and people didn't want to believe that the 49ers didn't have a specific quarterback in mind. So first, it was like there was Ben Albright, Daniel Jeremiah, Gil Brand. I think we're saying that this is for Trey Lance, like right as soon as that trade with the Dolphins happened. And then there were reports, I think, from Adam Schefter, maybe Ian Rappaport, that said that you know people close to the situation believe that this is for Mac Jones. And then I think after Justin Fields' pro day, he started getting into the conversation. And that makes sense because Shanahan has known Justin Fields for a while now, going back to some QB camps uh, back in when, when Fields is still really a teenager. So they've always known each other. And that, everyone saw that that was like the secret connection. And then it swung back to Mac Jones and Trey Lance, thinking that they're just deciding between those two. And now Vegas is favoring Trey Lance. So it's almost gone completely full circle. And it makes sense because Trey Lance is a high upside quarterback that you would feel confident that, you know, can elevate your franchise. But regardless, like that whole situation has been really fascinating to me and people have claimed it's like where the draft starts, but I really do think it starts in Atlanta because there's multiple people saying that they're going to just stay there and take Kyle Pitts. But Anthony, like, I I don't know how many teams are wanting to trade up with Atlanta at four. And I I really don't know if they're ever going to get a deal that's going to be sufficient enough for them to pass on potentially the draft's best non-quarterback. It's a great point. And I don't, you know, what are they going to ask for? It's kind of the team sitting at four and five, particularly five, the Cincinnati Bengals kind of are, are in the driver's seat of this whole event. And in night one, because the Bengals lucked or sucked into Joe Burrow last year. And so now they're not desperate to reach for a quarterback. And some teams that are may want to come up and give some sort of godfather deal. Maybe that's something they look at or they take the best player on their board, not needing a quarterback. And so, you know, whether that's Chase, whether that's Panay Sewell, there's now, you know, with that with that notion 
uh, from Scott Barrett a minute ago, the offensive line coach reportedly liking Slater. Maybe he gets back into the mix, you know, and if who knows, who knows, but it sounds like what we've been hearing for, you know, the past couple of weeks is that Jamar Chase will be the pick for the Bengals if he's available. Um, you know, there's a, there's a dividing line, as we know, amongst the fan base and amongst those who cover the team as to what the team should do. Former players have weighed in, all that kind of stuff. But as we sit here right now and the draft is getting officially started, Roger Goodell uh, looks like Joe Thomas and a couple of others. I didn't see who it was. That were, Bernie Kozar, I see. And some Jarvis others are Landry. taking. Uh, oh, is that Jarvis Landry? Okay. Yeah. Um, have taken the main stage there. Kings of Leon, the alternative rock band, have kind of been entertaining the, the folks there. And I know we've got some buddies, uh, Bengals buddies there, John. I know uh, Bengal Jim Foster is is there in the house, and other Who Day representatives are there. I know Sean Moore, the Who Day baby, is going to be uh, announcing a pick on day three, I think, which is mm-hmm. pretty cool. So. Uh, a lot of a lot of good representation for the Cincinnati Bengals fan base there, which is cool, and they're gonna they're gonna get to see them pick a high quality p- player with likely a very high pick, unless there is a move back. Do you anticipate any kind of I don't know I, Godfather deal for someone to move up? Of of course, it depends on what happens in those first few picks, but I I don't know what's too good to pass up if you're the Cincinnati Bengals. You know what I mean? I don't think the Bengals are moving like. It, I think Joe said it best last night. Like, there's just no other team that's really connected to Mac Jones like San Francisco is. So, if, if the 49ers do end up passing on Jones, it's really just him and Fields that are just kind of left. And you you think that you know no one's really going to make an offer to go up for Jones. It'd have to be for Fields. But then there's all this talk about Fields you know, slipping into the you know the eight to ten range and maybe into the teens, and that gives the Patriots an easier way to trade up for, for them. But I I think. It, if you're a Bengals fan, you can just sit tight knowing that they're going to make the pick at five. It's going to be one of two players, depending on who's there. And if it's a certain Jamar Chase is there, he's probably going to be that pick. Someone's saying they're seeing uh, Bengal Jim at the bottom left of the stage. I'll have to keep <laughs> keep uh, the eye out for him, knowing him. He's probably got a front row seat and right in the middle of everything, which is pretty awesome. So uh, good for him and a, a great guy. He's been good to our show and uh, a, a great representative of the fan base there. So seeing some other folks there. At, oh, I see him with his uh, full full fedora hat that he wears, the Bengal fedora thing that he wears. I, I saw the back of him there. There he is. Uh, so anyway, a, a lot of anticipation over these first couple of first couple of picks here. It looks like weather is. Uh, a little iffy right now. It's very, it's very Cleveland-like. It, it is. I've never been there, but uh, with the with the clouds and the I don't know, it just looks cold and uh, I don't know. But so the Jacksonville Jaguars are officially on the clock now, John. Um, yeah. They are going to be picking first here, and I think we all know who this is probably going to be, unless they end up shocking people. They've got a shot of the Jacksonville Stadium there. Some fans there. Uh, you're, I mean, I know we didn't really go over quarterbacks this year because of the Bengals' needs and lack thereof, but your thoughts on Trevor Lawrence as a prospect and just overall outlook in terms of what he brings to the table. I, I really like him. I think he's got a lot of skills, but I'd love to hear your take. I'm really glad that this, enti- this entire draft season we didn't spend hours over analyzing who Lawrence is because we've known who he is for a long time. And it feels silly to nitpick on a guy that that, that who's that good. It's it's still such a young age and has been good for the past three years, really ever since he was in high school. 
I think there is something to be said about a quarterback who plays so well his freshman year and sophomore and junior, you don't really see that much of an improvement, especially you didn't see it in the box score, but also you didn't see the, the, the type of growth and development that you would have liked to see for someone who's touted as this next coming of Andrew Luck. And it's not necessarily a knock on Lawrence. It's just something to kind of take you know, take note of like, there's no other quarterback aside from maybe, I guess, Justin Fields, he would rather take in this, in this situation, but it is interesting how, you know, his sophomore and junior seasons, it's almost like he played so well as a freshman and then to beat Alabama in the national championship that the bar was just set at this ridiculously high level. And I'm not saying that his sophomore junior seasons weren't impressive. Like they, they obviously were, and there's a reason why he's still being picked here, but it, it must do something to you mentally when you're 18 19 years old as a freshman and people are telling you you don't have to play another snap in college you're going to be the number one pick in whatever draft that you go into and i wonder what that does to someone's you know mentality and psyche and i really hope that he hits the ground running immediately as as a rookie with the jaguars because if he doesn't like he's just he's going to be under a lot of scrutiny and i hope that he can finally turn that franchise around and give them some success I do too. Hopefully it's not against the Cincinnati Bengals, but uh, I, you know, very, very talented player. I, th- I think there was a couple of question marks that arose this year, but you know, just again, a really different year uh, for a lot of people, almost six foot six, 213 pounds, very nimble for his size. He runs quite a bit. Uh, you know, I think there was maybe some forced throws and all kinds of different things this year, as opposed to the, the years prior. And, uh, but still, I mean, blue chip prospect, very, you know, from from the time he grabbed that starting job, it was, you know, it was known that he was going to be a, a, one of the top picks in the NFL. And, uh, you know, there he is, I think, throwing to Higgins right there, which is pretty cool. Uh, hey, hey, so, real, real quick, yeah. though, over under, um, I think for, for me right now, it's seven minutes on the clock over under a total of six and a half <laughs> minutes until they make the pick. Uh I'll say, I'll say, uh, oh man, I'll say under. Under? All right. I just lose? No, like I, I was going to go over because I feel like this pick should have been made immediately. I feel like they just never, they never do because one, they want to look like they're still in the process of making the decision, even though they've already made it. But also I feel like they just like to hear people talk about them and use this time to talk about, you know, how good they're going to be and how good this player is and stuff like that. But they could just do us all a favor and just t- turn the picket now. <laughs> yeah, I, I I can't remember. Was it pretty quick? Were the Bengals pretty quick on uh, announcing Joe Burrow? What was what, what, what? I can't really remember how that went last year. So Jake Circus, who um, is of, of the Right Way Sports Network, he's actually live in Cleveland now. He just tweeted out because so, someone, I think Lindsey Patterson, asked it. Burrow was about eight and a half minutes out of the ten minutes. So okay, I mean that was pretty obvious too. So right, right. Uh, so last year, if you joined us on the on the live stream, we kind of did a makeshift, um, you know, stream, I guess, of what you know the the, the telecasts and whatnot. We're we're not going to try and get into into huge trouble this this time around. So what we're going to do, we're going to relay. I mean, I I think a lot of people are watching the telecasts. If not, sorry, but we're we're probably not going to relay the, the telecast for you here. But we're gonna. Uh, we're going to keep it on NFL.com and share the screen here and, you know, t- it'll, it'll show the picks and then we can obviously talk about those, but uh, you know, copyright stuff and be- things being what they are, we're going to try and play it a little safer and not directly relay the televi- televised uh, 
televised deal here. What what's your favorite? Do you have do you watch ESPN or do you watch NFL Network? So I'm watching ESPN because I don't know if I can watch NFL Network on my computer. So I just gotcha. have an, an ESPN. I, like I, I think I used to watch NFL Network like the last um, handful of years because I just wanted to steer away from ESPN. But ultimately, I, I, it really does feel like the same. Like I, I think there's an ESPN bias against ESPN because of the certain personalities that they have. But more or less, they say the exact same things. And it, you know, it's always fun hearing Mel Kiper because he really is like. The, the grandfather of all this stuff, you know, like the draft coverage would not be what it is without Mel Kiper. I know there's some, mm-hmm. there's some haters out there for him, but he's been in the business for a long time. And if, and if he didn't take it as seriously as he did back in the day, you know, there are a lot of people who aren't working the draft, right? It's not as big as it is. There, there is no draft day movie probably without Mel Kiper, but mm-hmm. that's, that's my whole thing with him. I, I, I love the guy. I, I, I think he's excellent on what he does, and that's a, that's a fantastic point that you bring up in terms of the fanfare of this event. He kind of helped, you know, be the guy who stirs the drama a little bit in terms of what happens on draft day, having some polarizing opinions. I know it's been watered down a little bit now that they brought in Todd McShay to kind of work it with him, but... You know, I think he's I know he's not everybody's cup of tea, but I think he's fantastic. I think he knows his stuff, uh, you know, and like you said, the, the the draft would not be what it is without Mel Kuyper and, you know, love him or hate him. That's that's kind of how I feel. I do watch both. I think Daniel Jeremiah is very good at what he does. I, I liked Mayock as well when he was with the NFL Network. And I like that crew that they have uh, there as well. But, you know, I'm I'm a little partial to Mel personally. That's my. And, you know, I, I remember growing up with only ESPN televising the, the draft, no NFL network really when I was really young. So um, that's, I don't know, call me, call me old fashioned, I guess. I don't know. Here's a shot of Trevor Lawrence and his uh, family there. John, are, you're able to see the, is it ESPN live, uh, the live feed you said? There? Yeah. Okay. Let's see if we can. Maybe just like just, just out of curiosity though, like what because you're watching a, a like a live feed on, on your TV, right? Mm-hmm. So what is your what does your clock say in terms of the countdown? Two twenty four. All right, so you're about eighteen seconds ahead of me. Okay. All right. Now, are we doing are we doing the uh, relaying of tweets uh, if they if they are spoiling us or, or has that been clamped down upon now I, I forget um, I, I think some some uh, insiders were asked if they were going to do do it and I think most of them said no but I'm 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 not going to partake in that I'm, I'm going to try to avoid them I'm sure we're going to have people in the comments section that are going to announce it just to just be the first ones to say it, but I'm personally not going to going to tip any picks yeah uh one one fifty up. The pick is in for Jacksonville, according to my. Yes, so it's over. Yeah, eight, about eight minutes. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And who knows? Who knows if the pick was actually not in at all, or like if if it wasn't in like a minute in, and they just didn't want to say it, or they just want to give him all the time. Right, right. They just wanted to build up the drama a little bit. Again, this is the Orange and Black Insider. He's John Sharon. I'm Anthony Cazenza. You can get this show on iTunes, Stitcher, Spotify, Google Podcasts, Megaphone, iHeartRadio, all the major audio platforms. If you're new to it, thanks for joining us for NFL Draft. We're going to be going up in a little bit after the Bengals pick at number five. If they trade, well, well, we'll call an audible and figure out something else as well. But happy to have all of you joining us. 
on the live stream. The Jaguars pick is in, and it's going to be announced here very shortly. Presumably, Trevor Lawrence, the Clemson quarterback, I assume. And then the fun kind of gets going over these next couple of picks here, I think. John, are we pretty confident in, in who the Jets are picking as well? Does that seem to be Wilson, and and that's about it? Yeah, that's, that's, that's Zach Wilson right there. Okay. We can talk more about that, but like that, people compared Zach Wilson's rise very similar to Joe Burrow, and I think there there is some weight to that. Um, I think Wilson was like the starter for like a couple years before he just exploded onto the scene. But it's, it's just interesting that Wilson consistently got compared to like Mahomes, and that's like why like the hype is as big as it is. But he's. <laughs> When you go to the New York Jets and you're a second overall pick at quarterback, there's there is a weight to that that it's not the same as being picked, I guess, by Cincinnati. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So the last uh, the pick is in. Are you are you caught up, John? Yeah, he's he's reading it now. And hopefully you are you are now fully caught up. John. I wasn't worried about those spoilers. <laughs> okay. Well, the newly the newly married Trevor Lawrence is indeed the first pick of the NFL draft going to the Jacksonville Jaguars. He is celebrating at home with with some folks. Looks like some friends and family. Oh, he hugged his wife first. That was the betting favorite. I told did, that, he did or did not? He hugged his wife first. I okay. believe his I, I believe his mom had like more favorable odds. I think I told someone to bet on his mom, whatever. <laughs> That's something I kind of want to start doing. I think with the draft is, is making some bets uh, on some of these fun things that they've got going on. By the way, there was uh, some, I put a tweet out. Nobody seemed to care, but apparently the, some, some recent bets in Vegas over the last week has pushed Rashawn Slater as the first offensive lineman going off the oh, board. Really? Not Panay Sewell. Yeah. Some bets, have uh, about 50% of the bets randomly have have turned on its head over the past week that that Rashawn Slater will be the first offensive lineman draft and then about 30% um, of those were going to be Panay Sewell and then I think it was maybe Darisaw after that but overwhelmingly Sewell still has about 78% of the bets that he will be the uh you know the betters believe overall he's going to be the first offensive lineman taken, but um, I don't know. Hey, by the way, fan ballot by NFL.com. They've officially updated that Trevor Lawrence. Uh, what, what, what grade would you give this? Let's let's. <laughs> I mean, think, think about last year. Cause there's, there are thousands of Jaguars fans going through something very similar to what Bengals fans felt last year. Like knowing that it was going to happen, but when it actually does happen, it, it, it's official. And you just feel that sense of joy. So, like, you know, there's no reason why it shouldn't be an A because he hasn't played it down yet and he's Trevor Lawrence. But I don't know. Like, what do you remember the most about when Joe Burrow's name was read off and, like, all that all that talk was kind of put aside because it actually it, it did happen. It was no more just, just pure speculation. It was it was pretty cool because I don't I don't believe that we had ever – at least I had not done a show – kind of how we did it where it was like the announcement of the pick and we just kind of sat back and were silent for a while and and let the stream do its thing 
And uh, that was that was kind of cool. And we got to kind of soak it in a little bit. And you saw the relief and the the happiness and the joy of the of the Burrow family when he got picked. I thought all of that was pretty cool. So um, that's kind of what I remember about it. And I remember it kind of being, you know, kind of a special deal how we did it on our show last year. I thought that was that was kind of a neat thing because I'd never done that before. Yeah. So they're showing the the Jets now have four and a half minutes until they are set to make a pick. They are currently showing a lot of Wilson highlights here out of BYU. A couple of very nice throws, but what do you what are you thinking about this kid, especially as compared to Trevor Lawrence who went ahead of him and you know the other two or three quarterbacks that are talked about going in this top five, top ten range. So it just feels right to say that Justin Fields is like the better quarterback right now than Zach Wilson, but the NFL in its evaluation process, specifically at the quarterback spot, has undergone such an up, up upheaval, if you will, and like changing and valuing different things based off of what quarterbacks are succeeding, which quarterbacks are more or less just keeping teams stagnant. And I, I understand the appeal with a Wilson over a Fields because like, again, the Mahomes comparisons are just inherently stupid, but you see the throws that he makes and you think, okay, like there's a reason why Justin Herbert was successful. There's a reason why Josh Allen has, has now become successful. There's obviously a reason why Mahomes has become successful. If you feel like that this is a caliber of arm talent that you can just re- refine and groom to the best of its ability, like there's a reason you know why he leapfrog fields in this process and why mm-hmm. – He's been locked in at this pick for about a month now. Like, and uh, obviously, there's so much risk attached to him because he was a one-year performer against BYU, and he didn't produce that well against quality competition. That's really the big difference between his rise to, to notoriety and Burrow's rise last year because Burrow did it against the SEC and all those great defenses, and Zach Wilson has never really performed well against a great defense but teams are going to take a chance on that arm talent, that creative ability, the ability to throw off platform and on the run. They're seeing these other quarterbacks do it well. Just for thinking, why not us? Like if we have a chance to take that swing, we might as well just do it. Aside from seeing that Zach Wilson has, it looks like he's like got the most baby face of all time. He's, he looks like he's like 14 <laughs> years old. He's a Disney channel character. <laughs> he really looks like that. Yeah. I mean, I don't mean to like, you know, be be weird or rude to the kid, but he looks he looks uh, you know he looks pretty young. Anyway, um, the the other that is one thing I was thinking about with the quarterbacks there was in this class and really over the past couple of classes was the the ability of these guys who are kind of bigger, the Trevor Lawrence's, the Joe Burrows, um, Zach Wilson, etc., being able to to move and having you know not being a running quarterback, so to speak, not having quite the mobility of, and I know Lamar Jackson is a dual threat quarterback, but not having that type of mobility, but having above average mobility and being able to basically, you know, if the team sees fit, call some draws and be effective with them, you know, quarterback draws, RPO stuff, and being able to to scramble around and make plays. Now I know Joe Burrow's coming off the knee injury. So I, I don't know exactly how mobile, how that'll affect his mobility this coming year, hopefully not much at all, but you know, that is something now to your point, John, that, that teams are valuing quite a bit out of quarterbacks is that ability to, to be mobile 
avoid pressure, move the pocket. You know, these the the old school Drew Bledsoe, Carson Palmer type of quarterbacks. That's just not the mold they look for. Where they where you're kind of a statue back there. You know, even if you got the cannon arm, I mean, that's all nice and good. But you know, teams are looking for guys that can that can kind of ad lib a bit more these days. And that was that was always a thing with Sam Darnold. Like no one ever questioned Darnold's arm talent and ability to like throw all over the field. It just for whatever reason never clicked with him. And obviously, you know, being coached under Adam Gase didn't help. But you know, n- now with Robert Sala leading the charge and like like a better, more comfortable system, I, I hope Wilson can can be the quarterback that your boy, your your, your USC boy, never really was for them. Mm-hmm. Well. And the pick is in for the New York Jets. I, I hope I'm not, as we go live, I hope I'm not spoiling this for anybody, but Zach Wilson is officially the second pick in the 2021 NFL draft. And the pick for the Jets, Robert Sala, the new head coach of the Jets, a defensive coordinator, gets his quarterback. They trade away Sam Darnold. One thing I just, I will say this, you know, I, I have been disappointed with Sam Darnold. I thought, there was a lot of talent there and I thought there was, you know, a, a high ceiling there. But the one thing that I think that was a, a kind of a two-sided failure. I think the Jets really did not surround him with a lot of talent. They did for a little bit, then they would shed the roster. You know, some of these high price guys they would bring in ended up being hurt. Your Le'Veon Bells, et cetera. And, um, you know, I, it just, it didn't work out for either party. So maybe a fresh start for both teams is, is what's needed. And now Zach Wilson is the number two pick uh, with with the Jets. And, oh, by the way, that was another one that was a piece of news that was dropped, what was it, yesterday or the day before, that Teddy Bridgewater was was dealt, um, I think, for mm-hmm. a six-round pick, right? And where did I, – I, it escapes me. Where did he get sent to? Um, so, so he's probably going to be Aaron Rodgers' backup in Denver. There you go. Yeah, that's right. It was Denver. Yeah. Um, so, oh man, yeah, that poor kid. You just, right when you think he's got, you know, starting opportunities, it's like, no, this guy's going to move in front of you. No, this guy's going to move in front of you. But, uh, so Carolina now has Sam Darnold. The Jets now have Zach Wilson out of BYU with the number two overall pick. Trevor Lawrence went number one to Jacksonville and the San Francisco 49ers are on the clock with six minutes remaining. And then, these next three picks, John, they will be either either we're making them out to be something that's – and it'll be nothing. <laughs> it'll be what we've been expecting over the next couple of weeks or it's going to be, you know, a whirlwind of news and surprises. So we, we'll have to see what happens over these next three picks. Which quarterback would you take if you're San Francisco? Of who's left. So who's who you have left, at least of the top tier guys, you've got Justin Fields, Mac Jones, and Trey Lance, correct? Mm-hmm. Um, I, I would definitely lean Fields or Lance on this one. Lance is a little tricky for me. I, I loved the fact that he did not throw an interception the last time he played uh, you know, a, a season. I mean, he didn't throw an interception in the season, but again, that's 2019. And that's 2020 makes things for evaluators and evaluating even, you know, goofballs like me thinking I, I know what I'm talking about with some of these guys, you know, it, it makes it hard to evaluate when some of these guys haven't played or didn't play very much at all the year prior. But uh, I, you know, I think, I think if you're San Francisco, Justin Fields makes, makes a lot of sense. But again, you know, Shanahan is very system driven, you know, and what, what he wants, he's very specific out of what he wants out of his quarterback. So you know, that's why there's been a lot of rumblings that 
Mac Jones will be the pick. I've heard, I've heard a disparity there. I've heard field, you know, Lynch, John Lynch wants Trey Lance and or Justin Fields and the coach Shanahan is more partial to Mac Jones. I don't know how much merit there is in that, but that's something I have heard and uh, we'll just kind of through the grapevine there, but we'll, we'll see what they do here. What about you? Who would you, I, who would you take here? I mean, I would, I would take fields, but out of the, the two they're considering, I would take Lance. Like I'm, I just don't think Mac, but I don't think Mac Jones is, is a bad quarterback. I think he can be a Jimmy Garoppolo type, but if you're San Francisco, I don't know why you would want more of the same. I think Lance and fields have the ability to be real game changers in this mm-hmm. league. And I think there's just more data that supports Fields being just just a better player and just a safer a safer bet to become a great quarterback. And I really didn't think that much of Justin Fields throughout the 2020 season. I thought he was just a little bit overhyped and he didn't really play that well in some games. But I really think the end of this past season really turned the corner for him in his development. And it really opened my eyes to what quarterback that he was. And then to hear him, you know, be kind of, slandered and libeled over this whole process it really did make me question like is this really about justin fields or is this just about what justin fields looks like and we kind of see this every single year and we can't seem to get over we can't seem to get over ourselves with our implicit biases and it's just it's sickening to to a certain degree but i hope that justin wherever he lands he takes it and runs with it and becomes the great quarterback that he was he was right next to Trevor Lawrence throughout the entire recruiting process. He was a mm-hmm. five-star just like him. He was like right behind him in the composite rankings. There's no reason why he should be quarterback five in this class. And if that's and if that's what ends up happening, he's gonna, probably going to be the steal of the, of the draft. Yeah, I just, you know, inevitably, um, well, I shouldn't say inevitably, but there are there have been cases where very, very talented quarterbacks um, have gone a lot later than, I mean, you go back to Trubisky and Mahomes, right? Trubisky went, what, number two overall, traded up not again? A, not a damn reason why Mitchell Trubisky no. should have ever been picked ahead of Deshaun no. Watson. Like, Absolutely like, not. Like Mahomes was a whole other thing, but Watson, that was a known great quarterback. And for some stupid reason, a first-year starter of UNC who looked the part, quote-unquote, got picked ahead of him. Yep. And so you've you've got that instance the the infamous one with Aaron Rodgers right the the Alex Smith Aaron Rodgers Brady Quinn was another I mean that uh, you know I I hope for any of these guys I hope it, it you know if if they are if the consensus is that the, they're worthy of a top five top ten pick I hope that they don't sit there and um you know who's who's the one was it Geno Smith that one time that he he sat forever as well like he went in round two I think after yeah, he was think, supposed to be yeah. a top top 15 pick and I mean I know he didn't pan out to much of anything in the league anyway but I mean you just <laughs> you feel for some of these guys that sit there and they just uh and and I think you know they've the league has now done a deal where they've taken the cameras out some of the out of some of those green rooms and some of these people end up hanging out at home and that's that sort of thing so <clears throat> anyway uh hopefully that doesn't happen the 49ers pick is in John so if you were a betting man uh, no trades yet so far, by the way. If you were a betting man, what is what is this pick here? I think it's Lance. Like it, it's still possible that it's Mac Jones, but I really do think it's Trey Lance. I, I'm inclined to agree with you. I don't I don't know. I don't buy the Mac Jones the Mac Jones pick. I think Trey Lance is probably the pick here, but 
we will we will see very very shortly here um but the pick is in for the San Francisco 49ers who by the way moved up with the uh the Dolphins right that was who they they traded that pick with yep. and uh moved up there obviously to get someone that they are very very enamored with very enamored with the 49ers contingent of fans is in the house here they're showing them on on ESPN so a lot of them made the trip up to Cleveland one day I want to go to a draft, man. It'd be it'd be fun. I was hoping to go last year in Vegas, but you know that whole thing got shut right. down, unfortunately. But um, we should do like that we, sometime. We really should. We, we, we should find a location. <laughs> we should just we should do a live show from there. But I, my, fun, my, my Browns fan friend, uh, we were texting back and forth today, and he said, "I just realized that Steelers fans and Baltimore or the Baltimore Ravens and the Pittsburgh Steelers picks are going to get booed into eternity." Because they're they're in Cleveland, I'd be interested to see if how much the Bengals pick kind of gets booed as well. Well, John, you should have placed your bet, my friend. You would have you would have made some money. It the pick for the San Francisco 49ers after weeks of being told that it was going to they were moving up for Mac Jones. The pick is indeed Trey Lance out of North Dakota State. Did not play last year, but uh, the. Yeah, you know, the young man was exceptional the year prior. Of course, the question is, it's not talent. It's not athleticism. Those aren't the questions. It is the level of competition, right? That's usually the question for the, for these kids that play at some of these schools here. But um, this kid's got a lot of talent. And, and it's hard to judge this, but, like, there are multiple people that say, like, this, this guy's intelligence, his processing ability, just his knowledge of the game, it's off the charts. And when you have that raw talent, and you have that intangible side to it, those are bets that you can usually make to say that this guy is going to turn out pretty good. He may not live up to being the third overall pick, but as long as he's better than Jimmy Garoppolo and gives the 49ers a chance to maximize what they have, then this pick and this trade overall will be worth it for the 49ers. The additional caveat to this entire deal with with the selection of Lance, um, you know, does, is he your day one starter you know if with this small school stay is he the guy that you're saying hey you know we're, we're giving you the keys to the castle here and um, you're going to be the guy i don't i don't know what you think about that but i would assume if you're moving up to three you're you're doing that for <laughs> a specific reason and probably to start this kid pretty soon i would think yeah like i'm the four have stood pat and said that like we're not going to trade Jimmy Garoppolo. We're comfortable keeping him in 2021, and that's always coded language for saying please trade for him. Yeah, um, yeah. <laughs> <so> <laughs> yeah. Like, but, and like who 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 really wants Jimmy Garoppolo? Like apparently the Patriots aren't really going to trade for him anytime soon. I believe that was a report. If he doesn't, if they don't want him back in New England, I don't know who else would really want them want him unless he's just taken on as a backup. And you got to think the compensation for trading for a backup quarterback. It's not going to be relatively high. So we've got some uh, some commentary here, way better than Mac Jones. Uh, a personal friend of mine who is a Charger friend joining us, Lucas. Mac Jones only had what he. Uh, you have to know Lucas. He's got he's got a dry, uh, sarcastic and and uh, uh, a good sense of humor there, and of course had only had Waddle and Smith. Yeah, only. Um, you've got Cringe Wizard saying San Fran just set themselves back five years we'll see what happens there um by the way right now atlanta is on the clock i 
they've got five minutes left until they pick, and then the Bengals are on the board. Potential trade here, maybe. Maybe they select Jamar Chase. There was also some rumors. We talked about this on the on the water cooler chat. There was also some rumors that they were fielding trade offers for Julio Jones because they were maybe going to be selecting Jamar Chase at number four. This pick right here will will shape uh, really not just what the Bengals do at number five, but kind of the the, the first part of the the first round here. I, I think it, this is a, a big big pick coming up here for really a lot of teams and i'm sure atlanta is getting a lot of calls for trades yeah so this is either a trade back or it's kyle pitts like i'm very confident in that um there was a report that um if a certain quarterback was there for atlanta to take then they would in very much consider him and maybe pick him but i think trey lance has been connected had been connected to atlanta for a long time now and now that he's not here and if they're not able to get a a trade that they like for I guess it would have to be Justin Fields at this point if no one wants to sacrifice a lot of draft capital to get Atlanta to move out of this pick and not take Kyle Pitts it kind of seems like they're just going to stand back and take the best player available yeah uh Trey Lance being interviewed right now of course I can't really hear it because uh I'm I've got my headphones on so um (laughs) I Wait, what do we think? Do you, do you think we're going to get in trouble if we try and uh, stream the draft feed here? I don't. Last time that wasn't working well for us, but um, did we get know. in trouble for last year? I don't know. We'll have to go back and look. <laughs> I, I don't. I don't actually know. Is, is, is there is, is there some legal action that's been pending for a year now? Like, yeah, I don't know. I don't know. I'd have to. I not to my knowledge. Nobody's knocking on my door. So. Uh, if, if we if we share the screen, like if we share my stream, we would definitely get in trouble, right? But I feel like if we if we took it an out an exterior camera and placed it on the screen, because that's <laughs> like what we, we did last year. Like I feel I feel like that's like pushing it, but it's it's not. They, they can't necessarily. I don't know. I'm talking on my ass like I usually am. No, no, you're the smart one here, dude. The by the way, a beautiful, beautiful graphic on ESPN's coverage quarterbacks oh God, taking one, two, three it's in the draft. The last time it was done was in the 99 draft, Tim couch, Donovan McNabb and good old Achilles Smith. So they have to remind us all about that. Lovely. Oh, the pick is in. Falcons yep. are making the pick. So Falcons did not trade here. Tony, thank you for the compliment. Appreciate it. Um, Jason Von Stein, our good friend, saying he we need o, uh, O-line. Again, betting man, John, you're saying – so you're saying this is probably Kyle Pitts. This is what you're what you're aiming for here? I, I, would, I would say this is Pitts. Okay. Okay. If that is the case, then that would – of the rest of the non-quarterback blue chip prospects, that would leave essentially – through most people's eyes, Jamar Chase and Panay Sewell for the Bengals to take. Um, they may have, you know, who knows? They may surprise people and have Rashawn Slater even higher than Panay Sewell, but um, I don't know. We'll, we'll, we'll see very shortly. We'll see very shortly. That is for sure. Thank you, everyone, for tuning in. We're just kind of spitballing and bringing the dry the draft live to you 
um, as we go up to the Bengals pick, which is coming up here shortly, and unless they trade here. But thank you, everyone, for tuning in live with us through the YouTube channel, the Cincy Jungle Twitter account, the Bengals OBI, Orange and Black Insider Twitter account, um, or Cincy Jungle's Facebook page. Thanks for tuning in. We appreciate it. Listening to us yammer on uh, the draft here, and the selection is in. Here we go. Was he supposed to shake Gazelle's hand? <laughs> that was a little weird. The the guy on the chair? Yeah, the I don't know. Oh, okay. The pick is in, and it is indeed Kyle Pitts. So Kyle Pitts is no, not an option for the Cincinnati Bengals. Uh, I don't know how, how realistic of an option he would have been anyway. This kid... Secretly, I think this this might have been the guy I, I may have wanted most just because I, I think he just is arguably the most talented player in this class. Um, I, I love what I saw from this kid. But again, I think the Bengals still are in a very good position to take a, a very, very, very good football player here. But I, I really like Kyle Pitts. Yeah, and I think it, I think there is some minor comfort to know that the Bengals didn't pass on him. And I think that was a conversation about, oh, I hope the Falcons, you know, take one of Chase or Sewell so they don't have to pick between them. But, like, I think there are, like, if another team chose a non-quarterback over Kyle Pitts, I think you're playing against the odds that you took the lesser player. And I think if Atlanta couldn't find a trade partner, if they didn't like Justin Fields enough, like, there's nothing wrong with this pick at all. Like, you, you you should have all the confidence in the world that Kyle Pitts is going to be a really, really good player. And I think the generational talk kind of got out of hand, but it would not surprise me if he's like legitimately a Pro Bowl player right out of the gate. He's going to make an offensive coordinator either look like a genius or, you know, a dummy for not using him. And you see there's a really cool graphic here on ESPN where he's playing wide out, he's playing slot, and he's playing tight end. He has lined up. We did a little review on one of our state your cases a while back on Kyle Pitts and some of the things. And and we showed some plays. I mean, there was one where he's lined up on the sideline way out lined up in the slot, another one in line tight end. Uh, You know, again, I think, you know, I think he's a a better blocker than people give him credit for. He's not a good one, but you know, that's not really what you're drafting this kid for. I mean, you're, you're, you've got a movable piece that you can shuffle around and, and get a big play from him at a lot of different points on the field. Support for this show comes from Sylvan Learning. As a parent, you want your child to have every opportunity, but giving them the tools they need to tackle every challenge, that takes a team. Now more than ever, educational support tailored exactly to what your child needs can make all the difference. That's why parents have trusted Sylvan Learning for 45 years as the ultimate teammate in their child's educational journey instilling in them a love for learning and a passion for reaching the next level. And Sylvan's Insight Assessment can identify gaps in learning and areas that could be of concern for your child. It's a 360-degree view into your child's learning that you can't find anywhere else and helps ensure that your child didn't miss something in school that might put them at a disadvantage in the future. And right now, it's the best price of the year at $29. Go to sylvan29.com to learn more and get your child's assessment for only $29. That's S-Y-L-V-A-N 29.com.
Here we go. Is ESPN going to go to a commercial right when the Bengals are picking? Like, is that that's usually what they do? (laughs) That's usually what they do. Yeah. (laughs) Bengals have a little under five and a half minutes left till their pick, uh, till till their time runs out here. Hopefully, they don't forget to turn in a card or something like that. Uh, (laughs) That would not be good. I, I am interested, John, in what the uh, what the Miami Dolphins will do based on what, what the yeah. Bengals will do. And maybe what we can do here, um, maybe as we get to the announcement of the pick, maybe I can uh, get my get my microphone and turn this up here and we can, we can get the announcement that way, at least the audio of it from ESPN. But at any rate, uh, we've, we're seeing the, the line being drawn in the sand in the comments, the live comments, John. There's some Team Sewell. There's Chase, Chase, Chase. Uh, uh, Ch- Chuck Anderson says Jeff Query the third. Okay, that would be I – don't, I don't know if there is a Jeff Query the third, but that would be an interesting pick. Um, this, is, this is, I think, a good way to look at it here. Um, Either way, I'll be happy with who they pick, Matthew. I guess that's that's too nuanced, man. I know. I guess I'm just too much of a people pleaser. But that, uh, quite honestly, I mean, I any one of those three guys to me, um, and I I haven't really processed how I will feel if this ends up for some reason being Rashawn Slater. But uh, <laughs> I haven't I haven't thought about that because we just haven't really talked. For the about sake it. of content, because it would be so shocking, it would be good for ratings, like. Like, because I, I still, I still go back to um, this one Packers fan who live streamed the draft last year, and he was so excited because he traded up. They and went to commercial, by the way. They went to commercial. ESPN went to commercial. Let, let, sorry, I didn't mean to interrupt you. That's unbelievable. Let I mean, that's that's yeah, that's the expected A tradition, um, unlike any other. Good. There, there was this Packers fan who was so excited about like them trading up to draft Patrick Queen or Denzel Mims, and he's like, mm-hmm. God, I hope it's not Jordan Love. And then it was Jordan Love. And then he like screened for like 10 seconds. And then he just went right back into. So Jordan Love has a lot of potential. (laughs) And it's like, it's even if it is Rashawn Slater, he's still really good. (laughs) Yeah, I know. know? I know. Our old, our old friend, Rebecca Toback uh, was, was commenting on Twitter today. She sent a really funny link of these, I, I guess these Steelers fans who had uh, were, were pretty upset years ago um, that were YouTubers about the Bengals drafting William Jackson um, right in front of them. And, you know, of course they settled for, for Artie Burns who um, was not, Oh, and now NFL network went to commercial. Unbelievable. It looks like the pick is in for the Cincinnati Bengals though. Let's see if we can, uh, let's see if we can get some audio here. I'll, I'll turn this up once we get back to, I mean, I'm seeing commercials, commercials, commercials. Unbelievable. I can't even believe this. I, even with the top five pick, you can't even. You think they're just going to read the pick (sighs) at the bottom when it's still in commercial, like they do in like day three. Uh, I hope not. If they do that, that's, (laughs) just terrible. <laughs> and then all the all the bias talk that we talk about all the time that would be but it, it doesn't make any sense because like they're now starting to like implement commercials on half the screen and like still showing like the field for actual games i don't know why you can't do that with the draft <laughs> it's it's pretty ridiculous i mean but i guess i can't pretty... really do that because like it's nothing really to watch i guess for the draft they just want to hear people talk about the pick 
and I don't know. I'm I'm not into marketing, not into advertising. You're not. Well, I'm not. That's not my specialty. No. <laughs> oh boy. Well, Adam we're Stanley. we're waiting on bated breath here to see what the Bengals, who the Bengals pick is. They did not execute a trade. We kind of figured that was um, that was going you know not going to happen. I think we are pretty confident that Jamar Chase is the pick, but uh, I, I think what we also need to be unfortunately prepared for, and you can take it for what you will. Uh, there's going to be some some national media talking head fallout if the Bengals do not go offensive line here, and we've already heard, I believe it was Trey Wingo of Pro. Pro Football Network kind of coming out and saying certain things that he would be upset if the Bengals did not go offensive line at number five and a lot of people calling it a travesty. Um, I I don't shoot the messenger, I guess that's just, I don't, I don't necessarily feel that way. I do feel that there is a little bit, we would, we would be able to give a grade on this pick, but uh, there would be a little bit of a, a, a quote unquote incomplete grade to it because of the Bengals, what they would do in the next couple of days. I mean, the draft is huge because there's both, there's constructive analysis and there's also just the analysis that gets the most attention. And it's when you're deciding between two really good players, one of them, I guess, has to be the quote unquote bad pick. And that's just not fair to Jamar Chase. It's never been fair to Jamar Chase. Just because he's not an offensive lineman does not mean he's a smart pick with the fifth overall pick for what the Bengals need. And it's unfortunate that we never really collectively realized that. But, you know, <laughs> if he is the pick, then he's going to be a Bengal. And I think the analysis will then evolve with the, with, with the way that it has to be. I am going to turn this up here, Roger Goodell. And I don't tell me if you can you hear this, John. Yeah. Okay. I'll see if, I don't know if our audience can hear it, but Roger Goodell is taking the podium here. With the fifth pick in the 2021 NFL draft, the Cincinnati Bengals select Jamar Chase, wide receiver, LSU.
Jamar Chase, the number five overall pick and the pick of the Cincinnati Bengals. They stay put, John. There are an immense amount of tools to like about this kid. What do you like the best? What do you think he brings to the offense? And tell us tell us all about this kid. There is no doubt in my mind that if all the other receivers of the last four or five draft classes were in the same draft, he would be picked above every one of them. He is the single best wide receiver prospect since at least Amari Cooper because there there is nothing, there's no weakness to his game. There are things that you can nitpick with him. Look, I mean, he's even wearing the number one jersey. Like, he doesn't even have to change the numbers for the jersey he's holding <laughs> up. Like, I don't... <laughs> That there, he is exactly what they don't have right now, and they purposely left that hole at wide receiver to be filled by the perfect receiver to fill it. From um, Carl Pickens to Chad Johnson to um, Chad Johnson to AJ Green to now AJ Green to Jamar Chase. This is just the natural progression for the Bengals and their receivers, and they wouldn't take a receiver this high if you didn't check every single box for them. Production against elite competition at a really young age. He was the number one receiver on the best offense in the country at 19 years old. And people had questions about his athleticism. And he, can he separate? Can he actually win down the field against NFL cornerbacks? I don't know if you want to believe the 4-3-4-40, but he is freaking fast, man. He is a burner. He can stretch the field. He is explosive as hell. He runs through guys with the ball in his hand. He, run, he plays the position like a running back, but he has the ball skills of a top-tier receiver. Like, there, he is the best receiver prospect that we have seen in quite a few years. And there is no reason why the Bengals should not have considered him with the fifth overall pick the burrow connection be damned on his own. He is a great prospect and he makes so much sense for them. They're comparing him on ESPN to AJ Brown. I, I don't know how I quite feel about that. AJ Brown is a, is a heck of a player though. And I like what you said about approaching the position as if he's a running back. And that's something that I have grown to love about this player in in the next in the past few weeks look re-looking at things and watching these these you know he's not a guy that just goes deep he's not a guy that's just a yards after the catch dances around tacklers and t- he does that stuff but what he also does is he fights for the football and he makes tough catches he makes tough plays he'll win 50-50 balls he'll he will he will do uh, he plays almost I, I I hate to use the the term I guess but he plays a, a bit bigger than his six foot 200 plus size he plays bigger than that and he plays more physical than that and I think that you know uh this has been and credit to Malik Wright he has he has been on top of this this has been the Bengals target for quite some time they had a pretty good feeling that he was going to be there they've got some work to do on the offensive line but if they get that part short up over the next couple of picks, John, especially tomorrow night, maybe they even trade back in tonight. I don't, I don't think they would do that. But I, I, if they get that part short up, you've got Joe Burrow, you've got Tyler Boyd, you've got T. Higgins, you've got Jamar Chase. Oh, by the way, you've got Auden Tate still in the mix. Probably drafting another one, I would assume, at some point in in this year's class. If they can get the protection short up. They, this team can score with anybody. And that's that's the whole thing because people, they obviously value protection. They value keeping Joe Burrow upright. But I, I said it a couple days ago, and I think it needs to be said again. It doesn't matter if Joe Burrow has Fort Knox in front of him. 
he is going to play the same brand of football that he's always played. I think I think people who want to protect Joe Burrow above everything, they almost want him to change who he is and be just this Peyton Manning type guy who just sits in the pocket and just makes these quick throws. That's not who Joe Burrow is. That's not who the best quarterbacks in the NFL are. Protect protecting the quarterback, it matters, right? You don't want your quarterback taking too many unnecessary hits, right? You don't want the, to increase the chance of him suffering the same injury that he did last year. But if you just prioritize the offensive line, if you just make sure that your your offensive line is stable, it has five elite players there, and you don't have the proper weaponry around him to actually compete with the best offenses in the NFL, you're always going to be limiting yourself. And I understand if had they taken Panay Sewell, like that, that, that's perfectly fine, right? Like it doesn't hurt to have that caliber player at offensive line but it makes sense why you would prioritize receiver over offense line with the quarterback that Joe Burrow is with the offense that they can't have I understand there's a chicken in in the egg argument going here right is it you know the the old school build that offensive line and no matter who you have in terms of perimeter weapons tight end weapons they'll look pretty good if you've got ample time a running game etc there is logic to that I also understand the flip side of the argument and kind of how the Bengals are approaching things right now with, hey, get all those weapons. All of a sudden, that box up front becomes a little less crowded to make room for, for the running game, even if you have lesser talent up front. And it's you become far less predictable in terms of what you want to do play calling wise. So, look. A lot of people point to the Kansas City Chiefs and what they did after they got manhandled in the Super Bowl up front. Of course, their two bookend tackles were hurt in that game. They had backups kind of all over the offensive line in in that game, and it showed. And what did they do? Unfortunately, they got rid of both of those tackles who were hurt, but they they made a trade for Orlando Brown. They they got Joe Tooney. I mean, they rebuilt that offensive line. But, oh, by the way, they also have Tyreek Hill. Oh, by the way, they also have Travis Kelsey. Oh, by the way, they have Clyde Edwards-Hilaire. They've got a lot of other weapons. They had the weapons in place and now they're working on the offensive line. Maybe that's the approach the Bengals are taking here. Let's get the weapons in place. We can rebuild the, the offensive line. By the way, Joe Tooney, wasn't he an undrafted guy? He was third round, but third round. Point okay. <laughs> sorry. So third round, Orlando Brown, third round, right? Yeah. So, so, I mean, these guys can be found later. These guys can be found later, guys that can be uh, that can help your team right away uh, on the offensive line. They can you can find them in the in the mid rounds, and some of these guys can be found on day two. So maybe that's just the approach the Bengals are taking. Not everybody may like it, but that's that's that may be the way that they're they're moving with this offense. And to play devil's advocate, Tyreek Hill was a six round pick. Travis Kelsey was the third round pick, and it. it, it it's still true that you can find elite talent at both receiver and offensive line outside of the first round. But if you have the choice between two of them at the, at the top of the round, at the top of the first round, and you both, and you think highly of both of them, I think there is the argument of that elite receiver on, in, in, on his own as an individual is more valuable than that elite offensive lineman. And that's hard to sell to fans who watch their quarterback suffer a torn ACL and MCL. And I understand that they're not going to get a lot of fan points from some people. We're already seeing a lot of hate in the comments. There's nothing we can do about those people. They're, they're just really close minded in that sense. But I mean, Jamar Chase is a really good player and he plays probably the second most valuable position on the field. And that's really the argument that that's, that's the only argument to make. It's just it's that simple. By the way, just, uh, a little bit of a uh, 
side note here, Jalen Waddle goes to Miami, the pick after, not mm-hmm. Devontae Smith. So and then not the Lions, Sewell. What's that? Not Panay Sewell either. And not Panay Sewell either. Yeah. They they could have used some help on the offensive line and they went with a, a wide receiver who gives them special teams ability and uh also, you know, electric type of playmaking ability on the perimeter. So uh a guy that that can do a lot of different things in an offense. Devontae Smith, I would assume the Lions it, it seems sprinted to the podium. So I would assume probably Devontae Smith is you would think is going to Detroit here, right? Um, yeah, that's, I mean, they don't, they literally don't have any receivers. Like if Jamar Chase is there, they would sp- sprint up to the podium, which I, which by the way is what Zach Taylor said about Jamar Chase. Cause he's talking with the media right now. And he said, we took chase as quick as possible. And I know there's some people saying that like, Oh, Bengals fans wanted Sewell, but Mike Brown just wanted the receiver, right? No Duke Tobin, Zach Taylor, everyone is on board here. They, they had chase rated as the slightly higher player on their board. I wasn't really allowed to reveal information until just now, but that's just how it is. Like they took in their mind, the best player available who fills a gaping need on the roster. He, he does. And I, look, I think Joe Goodberry said it pretty well. And I was thinking about this today on our, on our show yesterday. I think Joe Goodberry said it pretty well in that. Look, I, he likes the ceiling of Panay Sewell better potentially. And I don't want to speak for him, but this is kind of what he was alluding to. I think he likes the ceiling of Penesul and the ceiling of an offensive lineman, I, I think a bit better, but right now he thinks chase is just a guy who uh, can, can help them more right now. And his ceiling is also very high. So I, I, I just, I, I, there's not really in my mind, there wasn't a way that it is, you know, Oh, that's just not the right way. I, I, I like both of those players, and I think both of them are high-caliber players with high ceilings, and both can help this team right away. Now, I do think, like I said before we announced the pick, I do think that the Bengals, this, there is a little bit of, if you want to grade this pick, there is a little bit of an incomplete aspect because you need to see what this team does over the next two days to be able to supplement things on the offensive line. At least that's how I feel about it. Yeah, and there's no doubt that they're, that they're keeping an eye on which offensive linemen are available. I don't think they're going to make a move up into the first round to take one. I think we had a question to that in the comments section, but like, I, there's no doubt that if they feel like an offense lineman is worth that pick in round two, that he's going to be the pick that like the need just dictates it at that point. But that's why they were comfortable taking chase because it's, there's no secret. It's like the mo- most analysts and most fans, they weren't the only people who thought that this offensive line class was deep. That was a belief that sh- that was shared in the Bengals front office, we've heard both Steven Radicevic, the pro director of pro scouting and Duke Tobin both say that these offensive line classes, they're really good. And it, it's not every year that you have something like that. And the Bengals need one starter on offensive line for this year and probably a couple more long-term starters. They can find that one starter for this year in the second round. And they can find another potential long-term starter in round three. That's entirely possible. And it's almost probably the projected plan at this point. The, the Detroit Lions at number seven, kind of surprising here. They went with Panay Sewell. Uh, wow. I thought that they would, yeah, I thought that they would go wide receiver there based on losing Marvin Jones and uh, losing Kenny Galladay, but they went with Panay Sewell. And I was just going to say after that pick to, to see where that pick went, but I was just going to say, you know, when are we going to see an offensive lineman taken here? Carolina's on the clock. They've got under four minutes left, and we're rounding out the top ten here. You've got Denver 
coming up. And there has, to my knowledge, there has not been any updates on, there have not been any updates on the Aaron Rodgers news. I haven't really been looking. I've been kind of paying close attention to what the Bengals are doing and whatnot, but uh, they are up next at number nine. And then you've got Dallas rounding out the top 10. So um, Panay Sewell goes two picks after the Bengals select Jamar Chase. He is off the board. And so I think um, Panay Sewell's high school coach went on the Bengals booth podcast with Dan Horde. And he talked about, you know, who Sewell was as just a person. And he described Sewell as someone who would be great to go to Cincinnati because he's not like the guy that would maybe thrive in a big city. Right. So he got drafted by like the like the Jets or the Chargers to go to New York or L.A. There's a question about how he would fit, fit in there just as a person. So I think him going to Detroit, where he would obviously start at one of like at one of the tackle spots, a city that's pretty similar to Cincinnati in some ways. I think he's going to he's going to like he's going to really like it there. And I, I think I think we both think the world of Panay Sewell and, and we haven't really got to know him that much as a person because he's just not that outgoing type of personality. But I think that, I mean, as much as Detroit needed a wide receiver and they still do, like there's nothing wrong with taking Panay Sewell right there. Interesting question here who from six, six or Alex, who do you want in round two? I say Quinn Miners. I know that's one, that's one guy that that's kicked around a lot. You like, uh, I like, I think you like, I don't want to speak for you. I think you like Dylan Radunes, um, as a, as a prospect, a smaller school kid. And then of course, who I, I like as well. And then, you know, there, there's a, a good group of tackles. I think Eichenberg should be in that, I don't know Notre Dame. He should be in that discussion, but I think ultimately we don't know where uh, Leatherwood's going to go. Leatherwood could be a late mm-hmm. first. Maybe he's there at the beginning of the second. Um, I think though, as we kind of start to wrap some things up on this show, and and as the Bengals uh, have picked a couple picks ago, we're gonna we're gonna maybe go to to the top ten or so and wrap some things up. But John, I think now you got to look if you're the Bengals. At a, at a player that you believe if it's offensive line, you have to go for a player that you believe can step in and potentially start at right guard right away and then transition to tackle. Or if you think he is that good of a tackle, um, you better have the the belief that Riley reef can kick inside and be effective there. And you've got a, an effective rookie tackle. I, I guess I'm a little old school in my thinking. I like the idea with Jonah Williams still being a little bit green, even though he's entering his third season, if you can believe that. He still has limited snaps under under his belt, limited games under his belt. I do like a little bit of a veteran presence on the opposite side there who has seen a lot of games and whatnot. But regardless, you got to get your best combination of best guys. I think guard tackle flexibility in the second round, if they go offensive line there, I think that's pretty crucial personally. That would be the ideal situation, but we don't know if they'd be comfortable with that, right? It's just projecting, you know, it's like hitting two birds with one stone, but we don't know if they want a guy that will change positions in a year. And maybe that was a reservation with Benny Sewell because they didn't really have a spot for him right now. They didn't want to have him on the bench. Like, I, I think a Redunes would be perfect for that as a guy who could just play guard and kick out the tackle. But apparently him and Liam Eikenberg are getting a lot of buzz to be taken in the latter part of the first round so it really does depend on who 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 is there i think we're pretty confident that leatherwood and cosme are going to be at least in the running to be available with a 38th pick and i think both of them would fit that role as just you know guards for now with with potential to move out to tackle but this is also the Bengals, and they value tackle more than guard and maybe they would take a a 
pure backup tackle in the second round if, if they have that high of a grade on him. Like Walker Little, I believe we had someone in the comments name drop him. He was name dropped by Dave Lapham. I mean, th- that's entirely possible. But at the same time, they should know that they have a gaping need at guard. And when they had a gaping need at guard in 2012, they spent a first round pick on Kevin Zeiler. So it wouldn't surprise me if they just take a pure guard like a Quinn Miners or a Wyatt Davis or even like a Trey Smith in the second round just to solidify that offensive line and get the entirety of their depth chart up to speed with quality starters. Someone brought this up in the, in the live chat. I'll have to see if I can find it here. Uh, by the way, we're seeing more love and hate and love and hate, love and hate, love and hate the pick. This uh, was expected though. Like, yeah, yeah, it was just people going through it. Uh, Will Smith. Interesting. I like Sam Cosme too. That's a guy who maybe, you know, the short, the shorter arms is a concern. Um, maybe not the most talented of, uh, you know, still very good player, but not the most talented of the class, but very versatile. If I remember correctly, he has played all over that Longhorns line and uh, done so at a pretty high level. So that in itself brings a lot of value. Paul, Paul Estep, by the way, Paul has been in our comment section on our YouTube channel quite frequently talking about team chase, 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 chase. His, co- his comments are always about Jamar Chase. So he is, he is <laughs> very, very happy about this. We've got Matthew Combs saying White Davis in round two. That's a possibility. There's there's two two things I want to bring up, and then we'll we'll start to kind of wrap things up here, John. Um, unless you want to stick around, whatever. Uh, but, I gotta write. I gotta get out of here as soon as possible. Yeah. <laughs> okay. All right. Um, Walker Little. How early is too li- too early for him? So I actually asked um, offensive line guru Brandon Thorne this on Twitter. Like, what round would you take Walker Little? And he thinks that he's a great fit in an outside zone scheme like the Bengals run, and he wouldn't take him until the third round. And I think that's I think the consensus big board has him like in the like right in the 90 range. So if the Bengals take him in the, in the third round, I think that's where they should. But I, I don't think it would be the smartest pick to take him in the second round. Interesting pick here. Side note, Panthers pick J.C. Horn, cornerback out of go. South Carolina. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Interesting pick there. Uh, so, um, gosh, is that the is that the first? Is that the first defensive player taken? Mm-hmm. Good lord! Um, <laughs> eight picks in, first first defensive player taken. Mac Jones still on the board. Maybe this is where he ends up going if this Aaron Rodgers deal falls through with Denver. They are on the clock with six and a half minutes going, and then you've got Dallas rounding out the top ten. The other one, I, Walker Little. Um, oh, we got Matt Minnick joining us. Matt, Matt, Matt. Uh, Matt's checking oh. in. Um, the Boomer jersey. Yeah. Uh, At the before we too. I went totally 80s. There you go. Uh, Matt, what's going on, man? Been a while. How you doing? I'm, I'm, I'm good. Uh, exciting, you know, like the draft is so crazy and you hear all these rumors and there's, especially like this week, like so many crazy things can happen and we got it, you know. <laughs> oh, excited to be here. Well, good good to talk with you, man. It's been a while, and um, I'll hang out with you. I think John's got to take off here in just a little bit to do some writing here. But uh, your your overall your overall impressions of the Bengals taking Jamar Chase at number five. I know that was kind of being talked about as the strongest possibility. Um, you know, I know a lot of people want offensive line, but your your overall thoughts and the rationale behind the pick. If you're if you were saying. If you were sitting in the Cincinnati Bengals front office helping to make this pick. 
I just think he's a perfect fit, you know, like, you know, I, I've said before, like, I really like Devontae Smith. I, th- I think Devontae Smith, you know, was probably a better football player, like, in college uh, than Jamar Chase was just overall, but not a better prospect and definitely not a better fit for this team. Uh, you know, the, the, the speed that Chase brings to the table gives him a new dimension. Uh, and also, even though he's not a bigger guy, even though he is a little bit more of a speed guy, you know, the way he, he plays, uh, the way he can make those contested catches, those back shoulders, all those things that Burrow is really good at uh, and has been really good at in the NFL, that he brings, you know, like he accentuates that strength in, in Burrow. I mean, that makes it even better. What are what do you say to folks? Because we've got the polarizing opinions in the live chat going. What do you say to folks when they're saying, you know, Burrow's going to – you know, break his legs and he's going to, you know, he, he can't, he can't throw if he's on his back and all this kind of stuff because the Bengals did not take Panay Sewell, Rashawn Slater, someone like that at number five. What's your, what's your reply to that? Um, you've got because it. We're, we're fighting the good fight here a little bit. You've got seven more picks and free agency isn't even over. You know what I mean? Like, you know, I look at like, um, you know, people have said, "Why? Why didn't they do that? Why didn't they bring in this guard? Why didn't they bring in this player?" Like, I honestly think that there's some guys out there that they they knew weren't going to go right away. You know, I, I think it makes a lot more sense to, you know, unfortunately where the draft is, you kind of have to take some players in free agency, but you don't have to fill all those slots. You know, and and it makes more sense that, I mean, if you get, you know, Vera Tucker or Dickerson, like you you get a really good guard all of a sudden in round two why were you spending money on a, on a garden free agency? You know? So, I, I mean, I, I think it makes sense if you understand the market, you know, as long as you don't miss out on guys, if you know, there's still going to be some guys that are available and you're not dropping off that much. It makes more sense to, to not blow money uh, on, on things that you might not need when you come out of the draft. So, um, you know, I'm, 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 I'm hoping they get some old line help here. They, they uh, add some players, uh, tomorrow you know hopefully that in, in that spot um and, and we'll see but like a lot, i think a lot's going to happen and if if it doesn't fall that way for them there are there will be some other opportunities uh there's still acquisitions that can be made throughout the uh off season i'm curious for both of you guys i'm curious what these folks will be saying about the Bengals offensive line and terrible pick and all of that. If, and when Jason Bonstein's really letting me down, man. Like, I love you, man, but stop saying six and 10 in the chat. That doesn't, that does nothing. <laughs> Come on. Better than that. Um, I just, I, I wonder if, if they will, what, what will change that tune? Right. I mean, it, if to me, if you get a talented guy in the second round and you've got Jamar Chase and you've got a guy that you think you can plug and play at right guard right away and grew into a potential tackle down the road, that's a big win. If if Elijah Vera Tucker somehow slides into the second round and he's there when you're when you're yeah. picking at number two, that's like a mega win. Mm-hmm. But it, I mean, if you're if you're talking about Leatherwood, if you're talking about maybe Vera Tucker, if you're talking about Liam Eikenberg, if you're talking about Radunes, um, Miners, these guys, you know, I mean, does the I would hope that the the tune changes from some of these folks because I mean they know they have to address the offensive line and they will. Uh, I, I don't know. I, I guess I just I'm wondering what will cha- what will make that tune change. And I guess I'm just thinking out loud. I mean, I, I would just say that 
this coaching staff has given people no reason to believe. You know what I mean? And and I'm I haven't given up on them. You know, and and I and I you know I have seen some positive things. I haven't given up on them. But but I get why people are like, well, whatever. You know, like we haven't we haven't seen anything out of, out of these guys yet. Uh, so. I mean, I think that's that's where it comes from. You know, there's 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 no faith there because there's no reason to put any faith in it, and it's there's been nothing but, um, you know, a lot, a lot of losing over the last couple of years. So, uh, yeah, I guess that'll go away when they when they put together some wins this fall. Yeah, I, I, for, go ahead, John. Yeah, I mean, you shouldn't make your Bengals predictions based off of this pick. That's just asinine. Like the draft is not over. Like Matt said, free agency is not even over. We don't know what this team exactly is going to look like just yet. There's still a whole off season, the training camp that's going to be injuries, unfortunately. And right now, the Bengals are still in the process of putting out the best possible team for them. And Trent's still out there, right? Nobody, nobody brought him in. Yeah, he's still out there too. Like that's but the, like that's the big name people were talking about on the old line. He's still there. You don't, you end up taking an edge because there's a really good edge there tomorrow or something like that. Um, like. Go sign that guard. I'm sorry, John. I cut you off. No, it's, it's that's really all that I'm just trying to say. Like, like the Bengals could pick Panay, and they'd still be a six and ten in one team or seven and ten team or whatever it is now with seventeen games. Like, <laughs> it, it's not, it's not, it's not over. It, it really isn't. Like, that's Panay Sewell is not going to push the Bengals. It, he wasn't going to push the Bengals into a pure playoff contending team. Jamar Chase doesn't even do that by himself, but he helps them out a lot in that regard. He helps them give the offensive dimension that they, that, did, that they didn't have, and he allows them to fast-track the progress and offense that they need to make, and that's ultimately why they, they took him. I'm going to bow, guys. I'll let you guys discuss the remaining time of the show, but i got to put stuff out for the website. But, Anthony, Matt, good to talk to you guys. Thanks, John. Thanks for all you do, buddy. Appreciate the uh, the insight and good hanging with you. Uh, we'll, we'll talk more this weekend. Looking forward to seeing the write-up. Uh, Matt, I'll, I'll hang with you for a little bit if you got if you got still some time since yeah, you sure. ma- made the made the effort of joining us. Um, and we're we're closing out of the top ten here. Interesting pick here too, by the way. The Denver Broncos were on the clock. The pick is in. They went almost all the way down to the triple zero wire here. Uh, at the beginning of the show, we talked about how they were involved in the wow, the tan, wow. Um, how they were involved in the Aaron Rodgers trade discussion, and they went with Patrick Sertain the second. Uh, his father was a fantastic cornerback in the league, and um, Sertain as well is you know Sertain the second, I should say, is another fantastic player. But um, you know you've got Justin Fields there, you've got others. That's kind of a surprising pick, a little bit, I think. Yeah, I, honestly, when uh, when you guys were surprised that there was the first defensive player taken with Horn, I like. I, I thought about it. I didn't actually do it, but I was thinking about making a, a bold prediction that there wouldn't be one taken in the top 10. Like, it, it just seems like this is very offense heavy uh, early on. And now we've seen two corners go in a row. Um, you know, the, there's one more big name at corner out there, but, but uh, you know, Farley had the outpatient back surgery or something recently. It might be scaring people off of him. Yeah, Caleb Farley. Yeah, Caleb Farley. Um, yeah. So he, uh, he would have been like the consensus number one corner, I think. Um, Jeremiah had him as one of his top five players in the in the entire class uh, yeah. not too long ago, and then the medical showed up, and I think that's scaring a lot of teams. Yeah, 
so uh me it's crazy like all of a sudden the corners are, are flying off the board pretty quickly um but it, yeah not a ton of like top end defensive players in this draft and overall in my opinion um, no there's not yeah here we go though i mean that that opens up some opportunities and like these are teams that aren't taking off into tackles so that's good <laughs> yeah, I think this next team who's up, though, is probably going – I assume this is going to probably be Rashawn Slater. This is Dallas on the board here. Um, and I know you do a little work covering some stuff for them. Uh, am I am I off base in thinking that they're going to go offensive line here? Uh, I think it's a good shot of it. You know, there, unfortunately, there was a lot of interest in defense from them. There were a lot of interest in, in really both of these corners. Um, you know, so I, I – like I, I don't know if I see it being being a corner anymore at this point. Um, you know, I don't know if they do it, but with the with the was it, uh, Sean Lee retiring, like you know, maybe they go linebacker, maybe they go. Oh Parsons. yeah, um, uh, Parsons. Yeah, it, I mean, and that's more of just kind of the overall talent of the player there too. But I, I don't know what how much of a fit he is. Uh, you know, schematically for what they're what they're trying to do. So, um, yeah, I, w- I would say probably Slater. That, that makes the most sense to me right now. Yeah, you've got a, a string of NFC East teams picking back to back to back here. You've got Dallas, you've got the Giants, and then you've got Philadelphia. Mm. Um, have you been Have you been paying close attention to these first nine picks, Matt, or were you jumping in kind of late? Um, I guess the reason I'm asking are you know some of the some of the better players available that in your book. Since you're a film film buff and uh, a great analyst of, of players, I'm curious to you know know some of your best available that's that's still out there. Um, yeah, putting you know, on the spot, of course. No, no, <laughs> you know, like I said, I think it's very uh, it's very offense heavy here. Um, you know, at some point, like I said, I think Devontae Smith was a really good college football player. You know, and, and I, I think uh, I think Chase is a better prospect because of some of his things athletically, um, and for some, you know, you know for some uh, other reasons, really the metrics and all that type of stuff. But um, it'll be interesting to see if somebody takes him uh, in, the, in these next few picks. I think you know the Eagles or somebody you could you could think of with a, with a guy like Smith. Um, they definitely have a have a need there, and you know. We just saw uh, one Bama quarterback paired with a Bama receiver. We could be seeing another old Bama quarterback uh, paired with a Bama receiver here. Mm-hmm. So, you know, that'd be, uh, that would be an interesting one. Oh, oh, the Eagles just traded into the pick. Wow. And they traded it to a divisional team. Yeah. Wow. So, I, you know, this is funny because the Eagles, the, the Eagles traded ahead. A of the Cowboys a few years ago to get uh, to get uh, to get uh, Dallas Godert. Um I feel like there's been a lot of stuff like that with it. I think the Eagles, maybe it's a Pennsylvania team thing. I feel like the Eagles have kind of been like the Steelers, you know, <laughs> with the, with the Cowboys like trading in front of them a, a few times. Like yeah. more of a pass with that, but um, that I mean that's interesting. And and since you're only, well, no, I guess you trade in front of the Giants too. Yeah. Yeah, going in front of the Giants for man, I can't. I, I, I'm not sure. I mean, the Giants need so much. I'm not sure what that would what that would be. Maybe that's 
Maybe that's the line. I mean, we know that was an aging offensive line with the Eagles. Potentially. Um, I almost wonder if there's also um, – I mean, I, I, I guess they're committed to Jalen Hurts, right? Um, is this is this Justin Fields for competition? I don't know. Mm-hmm. I don't know. Um, they pick up 84. They pick up the, the number 84 pick uh, the Cowboys do for, just for dropping two slots. And Devontae Smith is still out there, right? Um, yep. I didn't yep. see him. Yeah. So maybe that's – maybe they look – there, I know they had. Uh, yeah, well, they got Rager last year, right? It was one that was, you know, the people had talked about the Giants just possibly going for a receiver. Maybe they were they were concerned about that, wanted to get in front of them. Hmm. Hmm. Um. Or, yeah, I, <laughs> I don't know because you're right. The quarterback thing doesn't doesn't make a ton of sense. I don't think for them. ESPN is still showing Philadelphia sitting at 12 as well. Um, I don't know how that, that that has to be an error. I mean, I haven't seen the parameters of the trade there. I would assume. To us, that the Cowboys come up. Yeah, so they, they traded back two slots, and the Cowboys picked up, I think it was 84, the third-round pick. Okay. Um, okay. Man, I'm saying there's only a minute 20 on the clock here. So right. Should have an answer pretty soon with this one. Um, but yeah, I mean, you know, we haven't, we haven't seen, uh, an edge and it was, you know, I believe it's Russo. I, my problem is I never talk about these guys. I'm always, I'm always writing and watching film and stuff. So I don't even know how to say half these names, but, um, you know, so, so that's a guy that could be, uh, coming off the board pretty quickly here too. Um, and then, you know, at some point, I think we're going to see that run on tackles and we're going to see after Slater, you know, who's the next guy? Because we, we heard that from Dar- Daniel Jeremiah uh, weeks ago that there's not there's a ton of talent there, but there's not a ton of consensus after those top two guys. So it will be interesting to see how that shakes down. And that's the, the, the thing that really applies to the Bengals because, you know, we all have our favorites. You know, maybe it's Jenkins. Maybe it's, you know, for me it's Darisaw, Cosme, you know, uh, Leather, all these guys. And, and, you know, we talk about, uh, you know, Cosme and Leather were the guys you think are going to be there, but man, maybe someone's going to love those guys in the first round, and, and maybe some of these guys that we think are, are definite first round picks aren't going to make it. So it's, it's going to be interesting to see how the tackles come off the board. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I did not hear the because we were we were busy yammering on here. I did not hear what the Mel Kuypers and the Daniel Jeremiahs and all of that had to say about the Bengals picking Chase. Were they were they Bullish on them, or were they uh, not so hot on the decision they made there? You know, I've been flipping around between the between the three broadcasts. Uh, I, I, I don't have any specifics on who said what, but uh, I mean, the general consensus was, "Hey, you're giving Burrow a playmaker. Like we've seen this connection, but you know, the same old kind of kind of stereotypical. Well, it doesn't matter if Burrow can't throw the ball. You know, like that. That's that's the mm-hmm. asterisk with everything. So. Mm-hmm. Um, I think, you know, it's a wait and see. <laughs> yeah. I mean, it's, that's what I was telling John before you, you came on and joined us. I basically said, you know, this is, this is an A plus pick for the Bengals with an asterisk. And that asterisk is kind of what is to be determined in these next couple of rounds. And that's what I think the message has always been for the team Sewell people um, which has always been, you know, there's more than one round. The Bengals have high picks in the, in these rounds. Mm-hmm. So, I mean, they, they are conceivably going to get multiple 
good players who can do, who could be starters for them on that offensive line. And uh, I don't know. I, I think that's the, the, the message there, but uh, <laughs> it would be interesting to see how, if the tune changes from some of these folks, I don't know. And I, again, I was just kind of curious about what, uh, what the narrative was from the media members here. I didn't get to hear it. Good. Goodell at the podium now. Well, this is someone they really wanted. They traded up, gave up an extra third round pick for it. Um, and Dallas didn't seem to really uh, care too much. Um, moving back a couple spots. Devontae Smith, it is. Mm-hmm. So there you go. Smith comes off the board. You know, they're not, a, they're not afraid of the size. Um, I mean, and, and again, it's, it, it's very interesting that you've got Tua paired up with a Bama receiver, and then you've got uh, Jalen Hurts paired up with a, a Bama receiver now. Mm-hmm. mm-hmm. And uh, was it was they drafted Rager last year, right? Yes. Yeah. So there's their wide receivers of the future. Um, Rager, I think, wasn't he hurt pretty much a, a good chunk of last year? I'm not. Yeah, I'm not. I'm not sure what his deal was. He was hurt or just underperform or what, but. Yeah, I'd have to I'd have to check that out. But uh, the Giants are on the clock. Then you've got Dallas, and then the Chargers coming up at number thirteen. Um, let's let's start. Uh, I I don't want to wrap up so quickly after you uh, you got on here. But Matt, let we'll we'll kind of start winding down here. What are what are some things to look for for the Cincinnati Bengals? Maybe some of your favorite sleeper picks in this class based on some things that you have you have looked at. Um, I mean, you know, just so we're not talking about sleepers. I, I think you mentioned Raditz from uh, uh, North Dakota State. Um, you know, he's definitely not a sleeper. I think in that conference uh, at Northern Iowa, uh, there's another tackle who actually played right tackle, uh, too, uh, at, uh, at Northern Iowa. Um, and is that Spencer Brown? Uh, Spencer Brown, excuse me, I couldn't yeah. spit that out. Uh, Spencer Brown put up some ridiculous numbers uh, mm-hmm. in his testing. But I think he's a really interesting one. And because you have Riley Reef, you have the freedom to take a guy who maybe isn't ready to play right away. Uh, so it gives you that that type of flexibility to do that uh, because you've got Reef in the building. So I think he could be an interesting one for them. Uh, again, not, not exactly a sleeper, but uh, Carlos Basham is a guy – I think it makes a lot of sense for the Bengals. I think he's, the, he's their type of guy. Excellent, uh, excellent run defender uh, on the edge uh, at at, uh, at Wake Forest there. Uh, but can also get after the get after the quarterback as well. Reminds me a little bit of uh, of another guy named Carlos uh, that we're all familiar with. Uh, mm-hmm. To be honest with you, so uh, I think I think he could be uh, an interesting one if if he slips out around you know round one. That could be a, a day two type of guy for for them as well. Um, and I, I think we talk about the main receiver position, but we, we also know that the depth there is an issue. Um, so I, especially with Alex Erickson uh, leaving, I think that we could see somebody who's maybe a, a punt returner guy and maybe kind of a change up slot type of guy uh, like Erickson was in a way. I think we could see somebody going a little bit later. One thing to note, though, like like Eric Alex Erickson, we think of him as a small slot, but he was a six footer. 
Mm -hmm. You know, I I think Mm -hmm. you you look at a lot of the slots that are uh, in this. Sorry, the Bears have the 11th pick now. Yeah, they moved up. So these. these... It just caught my eye. Um, These teams are kind of wanting to move out. Right. That's a great point. Probably. Yeah. The fields or maybe Mac Jones. Um, yeah. Those are, those are the two there. Here's a question for you, Matt, from the live chat coach. Do you see a run on cornerback or receiver to slow the run on D or I'm sorry, slow the run on offensive line. I would say maybe wide receiver since, uh, you know, there's maybe a couple there, but now we've, we've had a few come off the board here, but what are you, what are you thinking? I mean, all the, you know, like the top, top guys are off, but we still have the, the Bateman from Minnesota. You still have, um, yeah, I, I really think the other guy from LSU is going to go in the first round, too. So uh, we'll, we'll see a couple of those guys come off, I, I think. Um, I'm making a prediction. I think Terrace Marshall goes to Baltimore. I think that is a – Oh, God. I Baltimore I, I Baltimore written sense. all over it to me. Yeah, I, I just – with the speed and I don't know. I just – that seems like a profile of a player they would take at the end of the first round, like a Torrey Smith and, you know, all the list goes on and on. Hollywood Brown. Yeah, you know, I, I just see it. I see it happen. Anyway, go ahead. Yeah, no, that, that would definitely be a great move for them. Um, yeah, I, I mean, I don't know how many more more there could be to come off. You know, at this point, you know, I, I don't think it's going to be quite like it was last year at that position. Um, it's going to be interesting to see what what people think of of, of like the defensive players overall, because you know, like like I said, there are a, a ton of top top end guys, and if some defensive players do start to come off the board. Um, I do think at the tackle position, it's it's more about who comes off, you know, and and how that list finally shakes down than anything. Because I mean, there are I we haven't even seen Slater go yet, you know, and, and no, and maybe Dallas moved back with the thinking that they can get a third, you know, a third yeah. round pick in their pocket and still get a guy like Slater because I would think. The Bears right now are, are have to be taking one of those two quarterbacks. It looks like it may be Justin Fields, but we'll see. Yeah, um, I, the pick is in, but I I would assume that's where they're going. That's um, true. And then yeah, and then Dallas is up next. So um, yeah, and swipe Slater from the Chargers, who I'm sure would love to love. Yeah, to. yeah. So Slater's gone. I mean, Slater's not going to make it very well. <laughs> no, <laughs> past this. Um, and then I think probably the Chargers would be taking an offensive line, I and mean, that may be where you see a Vera Tucker or a um, uh, a Derisaw or you know someone like that potentially going to the Chargers, and then you kind of got to sift through what's left there. I, I, I would think the Chargers are, I mean, they're you know their offensive line is is kind of a mess as well. So I would think you may see a back. Just fans about how stupid we are and how you know oh well we we would take a tackle we got to protect our guy you know, mm-hmm. you know our guy got hurt we you know so um <laughs> put, put their money where their mouth is with that one i guess yeah um yeah. But the bears pick is in here so we'll, we'll see all right All right. Well, no, no. He's just talking about. I don't know. Oh, I think we got another <laughs> another guest. We got another guest here. Zim, what's hey, going on, man. bud? Zim, you gotta be you gotta be on cloud nine, my friend. You gotta be on cloud nine based on what we just witnessed a few days ago. You have been the king of Team Chase. 
And you got to be just revved up. How you feeling, buddy? Hello. <laughs> I just gave. I just had to give people a speech. I I, I don't even know what I. If you check out any live I had you guys in the background, I had to cut the volume down because I, I appreciate you guys. I appreciate <laughs> everybody putting up with all my craziness. I just want to say this. Don't care what anybody is thinking about the pick as far as like you think it might not work or whatever. I am living proof of chasing your dreams. I was a guy <laughs> sitting sitting on the couch three, four years ago had nothing to do with a show, never had anything to do with an AJ Green, never had nothing. Like, I I believed in something, and, and it came to fruition, and I feel like Jamar Chase is, like, in that same realm and just not even getting X's and O's. I don't know if my sound is messed up, but just, 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 you know, not even getting in the X's and O's, just, man. When I first told people that we should get a wide receiver in November or December, you can you imagine if you're hearing the backlash today, people were writing on our comments like, I'll never watch a show again. And to believe, <laughs> I took that same energy. Everybody I went to the Paul Brown Stadium, everybody, I don't care who it was, a reporter, uh, Elizabeth Blackburn, it could have been somebody's mom. I'd have been like, are you familiar with Jamar Chase? Like, you know, like, <laughs> until, until I just went around the whole thing. And, and people were like, why, why do you feel this way? I'm just like, I'm so done with trying to appease the media or trying to do what, what somebody else is telling us the traditional way to do it is. I told Elizabeth this. I said, at some point, you're going to have to dictate and you're going to have to put things in a different, you're going to have to go a different route. Because currently right now, five straight losing seasons or whatever it is or whatever, it's just not working. We could block. We could go get something and not get value like bad teams do, not get value. And we could go that route just because Joe got hurt. But Joe Burrow is talking to us all every single day, whether it's a few Instagram posts or not. And he's telling you that you might have some stars, but we ain't looking back. I don't care what Panay got drafted. As soon as we the pick came in, I blacked out. I already went to the lines. I'll never look at a PFF stat from him ever again. I'll never <laughs> care about what he does. I don't give a shit if you show me a pancake block from him. I don't care anything about Panay from this moment on because I've already dictated my own future by putting it in my own hands. And if people learn to do that in life, you'll never go wrong. We could go do a million things. Somebody could not be healthy tomorrow. Jamar Chase might twist his ankle before the win, but they did it their way, and they're going to do it in a way that I think can work. And if it doesn't work, nobody needs to second-guess it. It is the talent that was right there, that fit the value, that fit the need right there at the top of the board. And people might not be 100% with the pick, but soon you will be when them points get on the board. I will assure you that. Well, if they if they do lose – However often it may be that they'll they'll lose fun. I mean they'll put points up. That's that's for sure. Uh, look, uh, you know you know what the next thing is to to that you got to you got to chase him. You got to you got to get Chase on your show. You got to get him on on your podcast, dude. That's that's the next that's the next step, dude. 
100% that's going to work. I thought you were going to say the next thing that we need to do is now go heavy offensive line. Yeah. Heavy, well, that heavy, is heavy, 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 heavy. <laughs> but, yeah, before we get to Chase on the show, because you know Chase is getting on the show. Like, Chase, I talk, I talk to Chase's father. Chase is coming on the show. Joe's coming on the show. Sissy Jungle's going to come. We're going to take over this whole thing. And this is where <laughs> it started tonight. I need you guys to get on board with this thing. It's time to get hype. It's a new day. It's officially here. We don't have to fake talk about, oh, yeah, new day. Like, no, this is the real deal. This is not yeah. a drill. This is really happening, people. <laughs> like, you know, 2005, rest in peace, Chris Henry. The things that people want, go look at those rosters. They could tell you in hindsight what Rich Brand was. They can tell you in hindsight what all these guys were. But Jonah Williams is a first-round pick. Uh, Riley Reef is a first-round pick. Xavier Sulafilo was the first person picked in the second round. And though it may not be everybody's cup of tea, the second-round guy that's about to come up that, that, that comes to protect Joe or whatever will make this all worthwhile. Good teams do not pick a guard in the top ten. Good teams pick their starting guards in the second round. History says so. And well, when, Go ahead. The Bengals, the, no, I'm sorry. The Bengals have done it. I mean, and, and look at look at a couple of guys that they did it with in recent history. Look at Eric Steinbach in that critical 03 draft. Eric Steinbach was a first round talent, slipped right to that very, very top of the second round. Bengals got him. He was a great player for them, a great player for the Browns after he left Cincinnati. After that, a little guy called Andrew Whitworth was a the guy they drafted in the second round, started him at guard, ended up playing tackle for him. I think he's turned out pretty good. Now, those are outliers compared to, you know, your Jake Fishers and, and some of those other picks. But I think your point sticks, Zim, that they could get a guy like that, especially a get a guy who has guard tackle flexibility, start him at guard, groom him for right tackle of the future. And I think that that's the route that you take. And I, I think for those who have not been on team chase, I think if they do that, and I think they will do that. If they do that, I think their tune will hopefully change because this, that will shape this draft class in, a, in another different light. And I would be pretty happy with that. If I was no matter what side of the fence I was sitting on. hundred percent. I couldn't have said it any better, Anthony. Like I just, I don't know. Like I, I have a really. You're good going, man. I, I, I go with my gut. I, like, like I know a lot of people. Like you know, like if anybody's ever seen my live, whatever. I go with my gut. I go with when I when I feel like a touchdown is coming. If I feel like a play call is coming or whatever, I go with my gut. When when Joe Burrow, when I this is the first time I ever had to root for us to lose to get Joe Burrow. People killed us on our shows. Killed us to get Joe Burrow. I had to go with my gut. And at the time, I didn't get it. You know, I was like, damn, like, you know, am I really a fan? And all these different things. And, and it's almost the same thing with, you know, with Chase. It's like when I came on our show, like, November, Ace will tell you, November, December, start talking about wide receiver and stuff. People were like, shut up. <laughs> like, Joe, Joe's knee doesn't want to hear that. You know, like, right. to get to this point right now, like, it is insane. I just didn't – I didn't think that. I thought, like – Today I had a feeling like Panay like would be the pick. Just I, mm. I know it was a little bit of smoke screen stuff or whatever coming on. Like something about that Joe pick early in the lobby with Jamar, and then now we feel we hear the stories now. Uh, Joe texts Jamar first thing in the morning and said, "Hey, get your bags back." You know, so <laughs> so so it's all these different things that were going on. You know, I came on uh, the show with uh, John. You know, and I probably shouldn't have. 
Who did they go with? Parsons. Cowboys. Okay. Yeah. So, yeah. Um, Slater's, Slater's still there. We're Slater's Slater's still, still there. there. We're at still there. there. Hasn't been a tackle taken. There's only been one tackle taken. And, well, and, that's, sure, and, and, sure. and that's the thing. And that's the thing. That that plays right into our hands. Oh yeah. Like, it's like incredible. Like like it's incredible. I, the Chargers will probably take Sewell, I mean, uh, Slater next, I would assume. By the way, we didn't really talk yeah, about this. The pick prior to Dallas taking Micah Parsons, Micah Parsons is a stud, by the way, just doesn't happens to not play a premium position. But um, prior to that, Justin Fields, that's who the Bears traded up for in case okay. uh, didn't want to gloss over that okay. one. But okay. um, big, you know, big move for them. And. <laughs> <laughs> I guess if you've got some sentimental feelings about Andy Dalton, poor Andy Dalton, he gets there and he's been, he's the starter. He's the starter. He's the yeah. starter. And then right. They, what, what do they do? They go and they get Justin Fields, but uh, he still may be the starter, just maybe on a very short leash. Now we'll see, but um, Justin Fields feel good for him. I know it's a little later than uh, he probably should have gone mm-hmm. in a lot of people's estimation, but um, still, you know, a, a pretty high first round pick. You know what's so crazy about that too? I was super high on Leighton Vander Esch. You gotta think if they pick Parsons, they're probably going to decline Leighton Vander Esch's fifth year option. I don't think they picked that up yet. So it's it's some mm-hmm. things behind the scenes too that I'm just thinking about because a couple years ago, Cowboys linebacker core, I was talking about trying to emulate something like that. And then the league just switched on them real quick. So that's really crazy. Pretty, Somebody it, asked me who are my second round targets. Who are your second round targets, Matt? Oh, uh, I mean, you want to you want to go offensive line, so we we're, we're hoping somebody slips. You know, I think I mean, somebody big, bro. I think somebody big is going to say. I think Tevin Jenkins has been a guy in ABT. Those are two guys that they might not be there at thirty eight. Yeah. Oh, KBT. Okay, yeah. Yeah. No, but, I'm with you. But the Bengals really – I know that uh, – I know he likes ABT. But those are two guys that were thought to – if Derrissaw and these guys that came off the board, that they've been nowhere near us. Mm-hmm. Starting to look a little – starting to skew our way. Yeah, I mean, you know, I like the Notre Dame tackle. I like uh, I like Cosme. Um, you know, I think there's a lot of potential with, those, with, with some of those guys. And, um, yeah, I mean, those would probably be – Probably some of the top, the top guys I would I would look at, but um, yeah, and there should be a really good option there. And, and you're right, probably Slater's going to go with this next pick here, but still, we're like almost halfway through the round, and it'll be the second offensive lineman off the board. So definitely plays into the Bengals' hands. And you know, you look at that; this would be the second one off the board. We've already got three receivers. There's probably going to be a couple more receivers coming off. So you know, what's what's deeper? What was the right move there? Um, part of the interesting, is, him? you know, does he fit into, you know, going to that, that, that Seahawks, uh, system is, is he the Bobby Wagner? Is he going to be the Mike, Mike, or, you know, how, are they going to use him there? I thought he was a great blitzer. I'm really glad that he didn't somehow sneak into the Steelers or something like that. Cause yeah, um, yeah he would have been a really good fit for a team like that. Um, well, speaking of the Steelers, the good news is, you know, I, I 
personally, I had Mac Jones in a tier below those four that four quarterbacks that have already gone now. Mm-hmm. Um, but that may be a team that's looking at a quarterback and those, you know, none of those kind of four premium guys in my, at least in my book did not slide to them, which is good yes. news. So I don't know if that's uh, my Definitely. assumption is that Pittsburgh is probably going to go running back. That's what a lot of people think. Um, maybe yeah. offensive line. I mean, um, yeah, who knows with the offensive line slide, if, if, if that's something that they decided to do. Um, uh, they did uh, Mason Rudolph just got they give Mason Rudolph like a, a year extension or something so mm-hmm. um, who knows their, their overall thoughts on, on him to be them who are some of your faves on night two Zim you know what I'm scared of death of the Pittsburgh Steelers getting is Landon Dickerson I don't know why mm-hmm. I woke up and I kept on feeling like that's their type of guy but who's my guy? Is say there's no catastrophic slide. It's got to be Cosme, Dylan, Dylan Raddins, and then mm-hmm. and then and then I go I go in and out on Leatherwood. But those are my three. Those are yeah. my three that I've been targeting at 38 because they all give me the option of guard, right guard, day one, and they all give me the option of, of a potential right tackle. They all meet the arm length uh, requirements that, that we need. They all are ready, you know, like to potentially be a tackle in the NFL. I was early on on the on the train with guys like Wyatt Davis. See, Eichenberg's, uh, Eichenberg's profile kind of skewed me off of him a little bit. But those three, they give us the, the flexibility to say, this is our guard right now and our tackle of the future. If it doesn't pan out, cool, we'll address it again later. Maybe Riley replaced the potential that I think he will, and I'm still good. I still come back in the third, and Milton Williams or somebody from the defensive front is there, and I'm hoping that somebody like that's there. Maybe Quimineers is still there, and I double down immediately. But then I come back in the fourth, and I'm thinking that the medicals on, like, Landon Dickerson give us, like, a Carl Lawson-type situation where Landon Dickerson mm. might be there. Uh, I, I think Jalen Mayfield is a guy, like, in the fourth because of his smaller mm. type of profile where I think he's going to slide a light. I, I was told when I was in Cincinnati, I was talking to Ohio guy, uh, Ohio State guy, he was like, why Davis could fall. So, like, those just just straight-up guard guys, the fourth round is, like, a big-time target. I just think they need so much help from to replace the Dunlap snaps that it would be almost just uh, almost malpractice to skip that in the third round. Just as sure. much as fans are probably going to be clamoring for offensive line help, so I like Myers from Ohio State a lot too. I mean, I, like there's there's a ton of guards, and there's there's going to be some guards. Op- you can find right. a starting guard on 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 day three. I mean, you definitely can. Uh, there, there's going to be some opportunities there. I really think like from the beginning, and you know, when you were talking about taking a receiver, I was banging the drum for O line, D line, O line, D line. Right. You know, and really, I, I think I think Chase is special. I think that's why you take him, and obviously. The receiver position has been depleted um, with guys that weren't doing much this year anyway. But um, so, you know, Chase is the right pick. I could see going for another receiver at some point, but really it's O-line and D-line for, like, multiple picks in this draft, I think, is what they should be doing. For sure. Uh, I I, want to say this, too, just talking about Jamar Chase's talent level, right? Um. For for I like the I I feed off of people that that 
doubt that this can happen. It, like, that's just one of my things that I do, and I go through life like that, right? So I always like to talk to that person. There's a guy in here listening to me right now that thinks I'm a big idiot, and that is awesome. That guy, I want you to know the reason why Jamar Chase is very special for this offense. Not on, It has nothing to do with Jamar Chase, with Joe Burrow in the connection, although that, that, that we'll get to that later. The reason why Jamar Chase is special for us is because there is not one team that was on the board at that spot that would give him the luxury uh, taking the pressure off of him year one to give him that amount of targets and to be able to put him plug and play right into a role, not change their offense, run their stuff, do exactly what they want to do in a unique unicorn situation like Jamar Chase is plug and play a year removed from A.J. Green. Jamar Chase to the Lions is a totally different conversation. Then he then gets grouped in with some of the Devonta Smiths and the Waddles of the world to me because then now you're, you're, you're going to see the, the year one angst and the year one pressures of double teams and you're the guy. With the Cincinnati Bengals, he doesn't have to be the guy year one. He's going to be running X routes. Like, this route tree is going to be that of an X receiver. But it's so special that he won't see the double teams that he would have seen on all these other different teams. That is why Jamar Chase, Jamar Chase is so much more special for us versus any other team. And the talent level is amazing. I wouldn't call it generational. That's one thing that I've been on record to say. It's not generational. It is amazing talent that if in a one-on-one -on -one situation, it puts us at, I mean, now, now you're like, like people are telling me, well, how you think that, I think Willie was telling me this earlier. He's like, you think the, the corners from the Ravens care about Jamar Chase? I'm like, no, but they better be out on the field and they better be healthy every single time that we play them because they're going to need all three of them each time to be on all cylinders. And they better be ready, they better be ready to tackle Joe Mixon. What it does is dictate personnel. And more than anything, that's something that the Cincinnati Bengals have not done for the last five years, is dictate personnel. We watch everybody around us. Lamar Jackson gets drafted. What do the Bengals do? What do the, bank, what do the fans scream? Give us linebackers. We need linebackers that can run. We need linebackers that can run in space. We go draft three of them. Now we go get these wide receivers that now cannot be single covered. Like you cannot single cover yep. these three guys, right? Yep. Now Joe yep. Reed is now Joe Burrow is now a fast processing quarterback that pre Reed already knows who he's going to anyway. That's yep. happening. And you better be on your A game. And I'm dictating your coverage. And all of your guys that you're saying can cover all of my guys, they better play the best football game that they ever played. And they better be ready to tackle. Because when Joe Mixon is coming out there in space, and now you got less linebackers out there on the field. And now I got these little corners and slot corners and extra, extra uh, DBs out there, whatever. They better tackle, and and that's the difference to me. What Jamar Chase represents is more like a a personnel and more like a psychological thing more than anything. And then the talent comes in and says, okay, once I beat this one guy, yards at the catch, we know what is going. It's going to the house. It was like that well, in college, and it's not going to change. Yeah, that's that's interesting. You you bring that up, Zim, because that is something I said to to John shortly after the pick. You know, we were talking skill set, um, and 
you know, I, I made a comment about all of a sudden, you know, the predictability factor. I think obviously the Bengals became way more predictable after Joe Burrow's injury, and you know they were they were trying to run the ball and limit the the you know limit the the risky throws by a Brandon Allen or Ryan Finley, what have you. So they were very, uh, you know, the, the box was stacked at that point, hindered the run game. But I think to a certain extent, even though you you think offensive line automatically opens up holes, fixes the run game, another outside talent brings another you know person to potentially to cover that sort of thing that'll that'll bring offensive balance the other thing zim and i know you've been all over this i'd love to hear both you guys uh, on this I, I made the comment that chase you know he's he's a little over six feet and he's he's what I, I don't even remember 200 plus right but he played that his athletic profile and his film show that he plays bigger than that and what i mean by that is that that uh you know the vertical um, shows that he can get up and get the ball, the, the contested catch stuff, and, and just plays bigger than than his size would would show you. And, and I think that that speaks volumes to what the Bengals want, aside from him being able to do a lot of different things. I, I don't know if you guys got thoughts on that, but that's something that's been dawning on me with Jamar Chase over the past couple of days. No, I mean, I, I think, number one, I never understood how people didn't think he was fast. Like the the whole separation thing, like to me, like separation is a minimum. You know what I mean? It's like it's like right. you, yeah, you gotta like it, it's it's not like adding yards to that really makes you that much better. You know what I mean? Uh, and and look, the guy's fast, and that's what when I was watching LSU, uh, you know, I I thought Justin Jefferson was like the guy in that offense. To be honest with you, even though he didn't have the numbers that Chase had, but. Chase was the was the was the speed guy. Chase was the deep threat. Chase was, you know, like he was that dimension that the Bengals need. And you could see that and it's like, ooh, this guy's but I I was trying to find the tweet earlier cuz I tweeted out last year like like last like fall 19 something about man it'd be great to get Chase to go with Burrow. And so <laughs> and somebody was like Oh uh, yeah, we'd have to be picking top five again. <laughs> yeah, swear, well, there you I go. Somebody <laughs> with that. I can't find the tweet anywhere though. Uh, but uh, but uh, here we go. I guess it. I guess it all worked out, and that person is apparently flipping magic or something. But um, <laughs> but you know, I mean, I you, you see him, and yeah, he, he can make those contested catches despite not being a not being a big guy, and he definitely has the speed. And, that's what he's got the speed and that contested catch ability to fit into what Burrow wants to do and give you that, that aspect of your offense that you don't have. So that to me is why he's so perfect. And that's what separates him so much more than, than, you know, separating one tackle from another in this draft in terms of what they can do for this football team. Yeah. A hundred percent, you know, Panay. by the way, Slater was the next pick. He was, yeah, he was the pick to the Chargers. Zim, I don't know. I know you, you hopped out and hopped back in. I just didn't know if you, you caught what I said. Basically, more or less, I think you caught some of the scheme things I was talking about and how it opens up the run game. But I was just saying, you know, one of the things that dawned on me over the past couple of days was really that, that Chase plays bigger than a six-foot receiver, um, you know, in terms of his jump ball ability, the the contested catch ability, uh, the vertical jump and the athletic profile just kind of shows me a guy who plays, you know, a lot of people were worried about separation and like Matt talked about and size and that sort of thing, but he, he plays bigger and he's big enough as it is anyway. Right. Um, 
I, I, I was talking to I, I was talking to Willie earlier today too. And he was like, "You still like that six foot guy? Like you know, like because it, it there's a world where six two, six three, you know, like is you know, like what is Joe Mixon just tweeted? We loaded up. Uh, uh, I just saw that go across my screen. Um, but there's a world where people, you know, are still operating over. I have to have a certain type of size in order for somebody to be like, you know, this above the rim type of guy. But we just saw from the way he tested, we've seen, like, if you look at any of the highlight stuff, like, you're seeing him jump and high point of football in the same, you know, like, it's not A.J. Green. Like, A.J. Green had this long stride to him. One of the things that made him very different than A.J. Green when somebody was asking this earlier today, or or just comparing them to anybody. It was like, who is he like? I'm like, think of like a faster Anquan Bolden or something like that. Mm-hmm. Like a, a, a fast Anquan Bolden, like a really fast Anquan. The same reason why fans love um, Saquon Barkley with that lower that lower body like balance. Jamar Chase's strength is not in his upper body; it's in his lower body. And when the football is in his hands in space, it's a big problem for a corner. It's a, it's a problem for a linebacker. It, it's a problem for a lot of different guys. And you look at just the history of the NFL, like there are a lot of different guys that come in that don't meet this taller than, you know, Randy Moss-like level. Like there's a there's a guy, you know, I think we had a guy from Walter Football said he, he, he's kind of like Amari Cooper to him. And you don't think of Amari Cooper as like a six-foot guy. Like I think somebody, even the comments were like, Amari Cooper is 6'2", six, 6'3". Six, I'm like, nah, he's six feet. Uh, but he doesn't. But he doesn't play like that, you know. And Jamar Chase is 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 very different in that in that area. And but that's why I'm very. I'm not quite to say generational. Oh. I just I just think it's just a moment in time where, uh, I just think he 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 offers something that we didn't have. And he, and you were talking about as being one dimensional. I remember games. It's odd and take. It's uh, later in the season. Uh, uh, Erickson. Boy. Yeah, yeah. And, and, and this is one they were failing. And I'm Matt, I know you were big on Devonta Smith. They were failing when they had a healthy John Ross or when they had a healthy Tyler Boy. Like in some of these games later in the season, they were failing to figure out different ways to scheme them open. So one thing that I knew is that I needed an athlete that needed to be able to win some one-on-one type matchups and just play to the strengths of Joe Burrow. Devonta Smith is going to be an absolute demon in the football in the National Football League. But for me, it'd be better for him to go to a timing system, a, 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 yep. a, a team that says, we need you to get from here to here and be there. Joe Burrow doesn't operate that way. Joe Burrow no. needs no. Joe Burrow needs that half a second, that one second longer, where I can improvise and I want to be able to read off of that, come back to the football. Half the T. Higgins highlights that I pulled over the week are just T. Higgins coming back to the football, and he's blanketed, it, but he's coming back to the football, uh-huh. and that's the way Joe Burrow likes it. And Joe Burrow um, is going to be able to be able to pick his spots before the snap, like so many times, like. It's going to be insane if he's going to know where the, the football. I just saw something go about ABT across. ABT, the, the Jets uh, traded in front of, traded way up to get him. Right. Okay. Okay. It's a good player. 
I mean, I know, yeah. I know, a Pac-12 homer, but that 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 kid's a good player. Uh, that, that's, that, that's, that was that's, my guy. That was they're my calling guy. him a guard too on on um, whatever I'm watching here, NFL Network too. Like they're yeah. actually calling him. I mean, I could only play tackle and. Um, but yeah, guess, no, it, guess it, who it, picks it next? Moved it that far for him. Guess who picks next? Guess who's on the clock right now? That would be the Patriots. And oh, Matt, there Matt is Jones, one. Right? There is why it's exactly what I was going to say. There is one quarterback still lingering out there. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. So I, I'm for you guys. We'll be here just a little bit longer. It's been uh, it's been a great to have Matt and Zim join us and and talk about the the chase pick. I'm here's an article. I, I haven't had a chance to really read it, so this is the first time I'm uh, pulling it up, but. Here is an article from Bengals.com. We can share this here on why the Cincinnati Bengals drafted Jamar Chase. It says inside, this is from Jeff Hobson, inside the pick why the Bengals opted for Jamar Chase, Burroughs' partner in rhyme. Got to love Jeff and how he how he uses the, the word smithing. Um, let's see here. Alabama had two. This is, uh, talking about, let's see here. Who is, who is he quoting here? Uh, Mike Potts, the director of college scouting. Mm. Alabama had two top 15 picks at receiver last year was the best receiver class I can ever remember. I left the Vandy game impressed with Burrow and a lot of other guys. I said to some other scouts that chase is the best receiver in the country and he's not even eligible for this draft. I knew of him, but there was, uh, but I was there to watch Burrow to see Chase live. It was a jaw-dropping performance. Uh, Brian Brian Callahan goes on after the quarterbacks. We felt like we ended up looking at the top three players in the draft. Says Bengals offensive coordinator Brian Callahan. Those guys were a notch above what's coming after, and they're going to be good players. But those guys are elite, the best at the position. Uh, not an easy decision. We've been back and forth on these guys. Uh, Again, here's here's something that just is whether it's Marvin Lewis, whether it's Zach Taylor, right here. I'm going to highlight it. The the SEC, right? They like the big school kids. They like guys who are successful in the against the stiffest competition, as do most teams. But a, a lot of times, the Bengals just they like to draft kids from the big the big schools here. Um, it says not only that, they already have his quarterback. Callahan says the Joe factor wasn't the factor. It was one of them, but not the decider. Quote, it ended up he's a guy that can make a difference in our offense. He's so explosive. To me, he's the best receiver that's come out in the last three years. He's worthy of that spot where guys like AJ and Julio were drafted. It's hard to pass up that kind of talent. So go check out this article for all of you listening on bangles.com talking about Jamar Chase and why the Cincinnati Bengals drafted him. What do you think about that one, guys? Yeah, yeah I, uh, I mean, it, it, it's, uh, it, it's definitely interesting to hear that like it like predates Burrow. Like they were there looking at Burrow and they're like, holy crap, this guy's good. And then for everything to fall into place like this, uh, just to work out the way it did, uh, it's pretty pretty insane. Um, you know, w- w- to kind of touch on what Zim was talking about about his strength, um, I was I was catching up on some DVR NF- NFL matchups earlier mm-hmm. today, and uh, and Cosell's comp for Jamar Chase is Steve Smith, mm-hmm. right? So I mean that that toughness and the you know physical nature of the way that guy played, yeah. um, I mean that's. That's awesome. And Steve Smith was five nine, five ten. 
Mac right. Jones, Patriot. Yep. Yep. I, yeah, I'm about to say, it, 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 there's going to be some jump balls that Steve Smith would have never got um, that Jamar Chase is going to get. Oh, hell yeah. Yeah. But, I mean, just overall, like, that that, that demeanor and that attitude and, like, like the way he played. I mean, Steve right. one of those guys that, like, you could be a fan of a team and then you Imagine. see him play in your team, you're like, oh, I like that guy too. <laughs> you right. know what I mean? Like – like he was one of those kind of transcendent guys that just like really, really stood out to you. And, and, you know, obviously with the Ravens, but, you know, before that with the Panthers, I mean, it just, just the, the way he played and the, you know, that, that, that nature of play. I loved. You see uh, Mac Jones? It, well, no, there was, there was a, yeah, yep. Mac Jones, to the Patriots. I was just going to say, uh, there, was, there was one game, the Patriots played the, the Panthers and the Panthers are pretty good. And, uh, and they put a key to to leave on Steve Smith the entire game, mm-hmm. and they were just they were just fighting like they were oh yeah that was each other a up yeah. the whole game and it was incredible like yeah, it was, that, that it was, was a brawl man to watch between those guys I love Keep too but like everybody that follows my stuff probably like he's one of my favorite players in the NFL like just the way he plays yeah. uh, so that's uh, uh that's that's exciting. Um, and that's, I mean, that's a, that's a great comp, and it really makes me make, makes me feel even better about the pick. Man, Patriots—they just—they're uh, working it. I mean, this was a guy that was talked about going potentially number three overall to the 49ers, and I think that was a shock to a lot of people. But still, somehow, even if you don't love Mac Jones, somehow at number fifteen to the Patriots with Bill Belichick, Bill Belichick, you know, has a relationship with Nick Saban, so you know these two have been talking a ton about this kid. To get him at fifteen, I don't know. That's that's a pretty solid. It's a pretty solid get. Yeah, I I wasn't huge on Mac Jones, but like neither was I. Before all of this happened, I I, I swear I tweeted this like, man, Mac Jones to the Patriots would be a great move. Hmm. But I was thinking like <laughs> round two. Yeah, right. Yeah, like right I now. think I think Mac Jones around round one is kind of kind of insane. But obviously he 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 flew up the board and. I mean, I think he makes a ton of sense with the Patriots. I think he's a guy that, that can fit with some of the things that they, they like to do. Um, they still have Cam, so he doesn't have to play. You know what I mean? I, I, uh, I think I think it's, I think you feel that way though, is because we're seeing like these quarterbacks being so mobile. Like you know, like yeah, to see a quarterback come off the board that's just like what we're like. If you would have saw Matt Jones. Maybe eight eight years ago, I don't think we would look at Mac Jones the same way. But when you see Zach Wilson, you know, like Zach Wilson probably ran for three four hundred yards, and he probably mm-hmm. could have ran for more. You yeah. know, like the, the, you know the mobility, and then you watch like like go look at it's, it's the guy that's cut up all the Mac Jones sacks. Like they're just the ones where he back he he, he goes into his drop, and then the guy's right in his lap and just falls on the ground each time. You know, yeah. like it's, it's it's smart for him, but yeah. you know that's not the highlights that we're watching. These guys at their pro days go run on a rollout and just throw sixty yards on a rope. That's not Mac Jones, and Ooh. you know, like the 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 league is fell in love with all this arm talent once Pat Mahomes opened the door. It's like what Steph Curry has done for the NBA. You know, like now everybody's shooting from long range, and so mm. and so now Mac Jones, you know, he just fits the profile. It's so crazy. That's what I'm saying. Like eight years ago, Matt Jones, I just think would have been like a guy you might have thought a little bit more highly of. But now that seeing all these guys 
being uh have they pocket, yeah, they can move yeah. and, and have pocket presence and, and do all these things. It's like that's the one thing Mike Jones cannot do, <laughs> you know. But yeah. but, but no. what he can do is be coached very well. He knows how to play if you give him a good system. You know, uh, if talents around him, he he won't he won't fluster in the moment. He's got AJ McCarron written all over him. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Uh, Card Cardinal seemingly jumped on someone pretty quick here. It 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 looks like uh, at number sixteen. Hmm. I wonder who this is going to be. Um, every every year, there's everybody knows that there's going to be you know there's no way this person's going to be available. There's no way this person's oh, yeah. going to be available. Right? right. Everybody everybody there's, just there's fifty knows. players guaranteed to be taken in the first thirty two. Right. Right. Exactly. You, you, exactly. You, you, you know when it's going to kill me is like say, I I, I am going to be looking at this like say like a Rashard Bateman or somebody like that is sitting there like thirty something. Like somebody that I wouldn't have thought, and, and then I, then that would a, a team Suell person would probably say, "See, you could have got Suell." In. Like I, I like I like Bateman a lot, bro. Like I like I like a lot. Of, I like I like uh, Elijah Moore and like Bateman. Those are the two guys that I felt like that could have took on like a, a gang of ta- a gang of targets year one. There weren't many wide receivers that could, but I could imagine there's a world where. Uh, uh, what's the kid from LSU, Marshall? Mm-hmm. His, I heard his medicals aren't that good. There's a world yeah, where, there's some stuff coming up, yeah. Where he falls down to it, and then people say, "See, you could have just got him," you know. But I—that's why I led when I first came on. I was like, "Man, y'all better take this pick and run and, and run with it." <laughs> why, why, like, like Joe Mixon and these guys—they on Twitter right now talking like, "I'm trying to tell you, like." They know, like they they know, defenses don't want that. I don't care what. I didn't talk to everybody. I didn't talk to you know TJ on our Civil War series and other people, you know, that tell me you know some people are split, but a lot of people say, man, ain't nobody worried about no rookie wide receiver. They gonna be worried about this dude one on one, and that and that's the it's a big difference. Like like him going to the Lions versus going to us is a totally different thing. Like they worried about right Jefferson. To- I right. mean, you know, look at what the other LSU guy did last year. Right. <laughs> and, we, and we're talking about the guy that was the better player on the team because I was listening to the LSU uh, reporter. I forgot. He was like, man, coming to the season, it was, you know, Jefferson was supposed to be the guy. Marshall's what they said. They got into a couple games in, and they just like, mm-hmm. you know, chases the guy, like in head and, in head and shoulders above it. And we talk about Justin Jefferson who could easily won rookie of the year uh, if it weren't, you know, for Herbert, you know, or they, Yeah, they said, it was, they said it was, like, late. Like, it was, like, kind of snuck up on him, like, huh, where, where did that come from? Right. <laughs> right. Yeah, so, you know what's interesting about that, too, is it's – um, I wonder how that aligns with Burrow. Because early on, it was Burrow making quick throws – you know, and like, and then then there was that Auburn game, like famously that Auburn game where Auburn's just like, screw it, we're gonna send three and we're gonna drop off eight, and Burrow just sat in the pocket forever. You know, I wonder if if that that second play, that creating aspect of Burrow, I wonder if that's where he had the better connection with Chase and and Jefferson. You know, with more of the timing routes, more of the stuff over the middle. Right. You know, like that's a little bit more in structure. Some of the things that that Jefferson does, I wonder if that's kind of where that aligned and where where Chase really kind of took the reins on that stuff. 
Right. You you know one. By, one by the way, I... it, it, you know, hey, it's, it, it, it's the f- middle of the first round, and you run up to the podium. Of course, it's to take a linebacker from Tulsa, right? Like you do that, every year. <laughs> <laughs> that was that was a yeah, that was a little bit of a head scratcher there. My, hey, I, we need all of that. We need all of that. Time that's right. We another not lineman. So. My point, my point in bringing up, like you know, everybody thinks that you know, so and so is never going to be available when when the Bengals get back on the clock or whatever. I remember last year, all of a sudden, and now I know we're talking first pick in the second round, but I, I was, I felt like I was in the minority where I was saying, hey, you know, I, I know a lot of people wanted an offensive lineman there. I said, go wide receiver here, go wide receiver here, and you had T Higgins on the board. You had. Um, was it? Did Pittman go the pick before they picked Higgins? Not, not, not Pittman. I think went like the went next after. Pick. Went after. Mims was yeah. still there too, right? Mims, Mims was there. So you, they had their pick of the litter there. And remember, everybody thought Denzel Mims was going middle first round, right? Everybody thought you know Pittman was rising into the first round. Maybe even T Higgins was first. So my point is, is not nobody thought any of those guys right. were there. T Higgins turned out to be pretty good player and that was a very deep wide receiver class we're looking at the same thing with the offensive line class where all of a sudden I know the Bengals are a couple of picks back than where they were last year but all of a sudden you're saying hey you know this is this is a pretty good situation we're looking at here come going into night two mm-hmm. one, yeah, one no, I mean, it's a good point and, and, and the fact that there were all those guys at receiver too you know like it, it yeah, tells you right. the same thing we already know there's not a lot of consensus on this offensive line class past the guys that have already been taken so you know, like I said, like the the internet loves Darisol. Like I love Darisol. Darisol is my tackle three, but we don't know that the NFL likes him as much as we do. You know what I mean? Right. Like, like mm-hmm. he might be there. You know, um, you know, Eichenberg or Tevin Jenkins or you know, like these. See, somebody see I'm, a, I, I, I'm a Tevin Jenkins guy because he's just so he's so he's so savage. Like, like. Like if you want to if you want to go with your best like off brand Panay like Tevin like if if anybody's watching this just go on YouTube everything that he does is so violent like he's like the most violent offensive lineman I felt like in this draft that was that's my guy like AVT was my other one especially after I saw Pollock working out you know at his pro day with him or whatever that really got me really really more on board with him too. But one thing um, you were just saying just now too about um, remember you uh, Matt you were talking about um, this LSU offense. The one thing that I think translates more so to the NFL than anything is when they got to the championship game. And you remember early on, they were so used to everybody, you know, backing off of them, playing cover three, playing all these different, uh, you know, like zone coverages and different things like that. They get to the championship game and they and for like a drive. Uh, they actually got put. They play everybody was in man, mm-hmm. and, and 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 so early on, I think it like caught them off guard. But then once they got past that and they said, "Okay, you're gonna put you're gonna play in man like against us and against like you know the AJ Terrells and all all the all the guys that are now you know in the NFL." In a one-on-one matchup, I just feel like that's coming right back, and that and that's what I always like. I always remember that game, and when Joe Burrow finally said, "Oh, okay," and you could just see by the time he got to the second quarter, I mean, he knew where he was going before every single snap. And 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 every time that I bring that up, um, like um, to like Willie or or, or my co-host, Ooh, Leatherwood, Leatherwood's gone. 
Yeah, London went to the Raiders at 17. I okay. I, I knew th- there's by the way, there's the example of the opposite. I knew the NFL liked him more than the internet mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and more than Mike Justin did. I knew that guy was going around one. That's fine. We still we the, the magic number, if you're watching at home, is seven. It, it, for for seven, it would have been wide receivers. But as long as seven offensive linemen come off the board or don't go off the board before our pick 38, we're good. That's the magic number. I think. We're halfway well, there. Yeah, we've got, what, Sewell, Slater, Leatherwood, and uh, uh, AVT all gone. Right, right, right. Okay, that's cool. But you've also got Miami on the clock here, and a lot of people thought they may have, may have gone uh, offensive linemen earlier when they went with Waddle. Uh, yeah, the Waddle. Were y'all surprised by the Waddle? Let me ask you yes. Anthony, <laughs> so I was watching you. Like like I said, when you go see my reaction video and everything like that online, uh-huh. Uh-huh. I'm pretty sure it's a little crazy. You guys, <laughs> I have on a bottom TV. It's like my son's TV so that I can watch my football up top. Mm. Yeah, but on the bottom, I had you guys playing, and I could see. I think you were going like this, or even John was like this, but I didn't know the pick, so I thought it was Sewell. When, yeah, when, when you guys were like somebody was going like this, and I was like, "Oh shit!" When the Bengals picked, or when when yeah yeah no, I, when look, I, I was I um I, I I hate to be kind of a fence rider, but I I was ha- I actually kind of was through it all kind of kind of team pits to be honest with you right, I, I okay. want i wanted kyle pitts I, and for a lot of different reasons but i i think the the logical i mean i, I don't know i i didn't really when it came down to sewell or uh chase i didn't really have too too big of a qualm with the team taking either so i i would have been i was pretty excited about either i know john was more was more team chase i mean i i'm excited about the pick but i i did say there is a little bit of caveat because i think you know, if we're going to give a grade here, I think there's a little bit of an incomplete because we don't know the whole picture of round two and three. Right. Because I think that round two and three, if they do the things that I, I guess we expect them to do, we want them to do, they they need to do, shore up some offensive line, edge help, d- defensive line, maybe, you know, who knows? Maybe they'll surprise us and do something different. But, you right. know, if they kind of go that route um, – after taking Chase at five, and, and they get some some guys that you know we're pretty revved up on. I think that even makes the Chase pick, which was already a, a damn good one in my mind. I think that makes that pick even better if if they're able to shore some things up with other talent on night two. Night two is actually kind of my favorite uh, of the draft, personally, how it's currently set up. Because I, I think you're there's a lot of guys you know, some first round guys fall out, and and the Bengals, you know, usually get some guys that we're pretty familiar with and and help the t- football team out. I'm I'm gonna tell you something for uh, uh, Pitts enthusiasts, right? I, I I had the greatest drunk conversation I ever had in my life, probably on I was in Cincy, I was on a bar top or uh, like on a on a super uh, jealous of you, by the way. Uh, don't be, don't be. Don't, I, I was a, like I said, I was a man on a mission. So all that stuff was like a blur. I was just talking like, hey, look, this we got to do our new thing. Da, da, da. But anyway, I'm talking. It's a whole group of team pits. Everybody's mm-hmm. pits. By the time I walked off of that thing, like I'm showing people clips. I'm drunk on the on a rooftop and everything. I'm showing clips and everything. I'm like, look at this. Look at this. Matt can tell you that everything that you wanted to do with Kyle Pitts, you could do with T Higgins. Every single thing, all the all, all 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 the different stuff. How you would have been owning the middle of the field, 
Like a lot of the different stuff that they were doing with T Higgins throughout the year when they started uh moving him around a little bit and then getting him involved like in some of those those middle seam routes and stuff that Eifert was very really, really popular on and you know, like in his heyday in, in Bengaland or whatever, T. Higgins is gonna be able to give you that same matchup nightmare that you're looking for. Um it's a it's gonna be a little bit different because of course you're not gonna be able to put him on a linebacker or whatever, but the same routes and everything that you wanted from Pitts, you're going to get that. You're going to get that from T. Higgins' role is now going to change. Now they're not going to be asking him to do some of the stuff that he wasn't getting separation on anyway. And now Chase is going to be running those things. And I just think that they would have owned the middle of the field with Kyle Pitts. And I would have been 100% on board. But you would have seen an offense that would have been Totally, I I don't think that's what that I don't think that's what they were trying to do. Like not 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 running that personnel eighty two percent of the time. Like you're here's, not. Here's, yeah. I didn't mean to interrupt you. Here's a question for you. Then, um, do you think then that in a weird way, because you're saying maybe they they were having Higgins do some things that now will be, and Matt, please please corroborate this too, but. I mean, were you saying kind of, hey, you know, T. Higgins was doing some things now that will be on Jamar Chase's plate. So in a weird way, even though Chase may cut into some of the statistical production of T. Higgins because he's going to get a lot of the targets that A.J. Green had, T. Higgins may actually become a more effective player in this offense because he's doing the things that play to his strengths more because you've got a chase now that that have taken some of those other things off of his plate, and you're you're using utilizing T Higgins the way that you kind of you know to all of his strengths. I guess I'm not wording this great, but that is that I, something kind of your your point, Nat? I mean, I really think like you look at um, Zach Taylor where he talked about on Monday about you know we don't really see this wide receiver one, wide receiver two. He talked about how they mo- they can motion guys, and an outside receiver right. can become a slot, and the slot can become an outside guy. And in particular with these two guys, I I think with Higgins and Jamar, you're seeing guys who can do things on the inside. You're seeing guys who can do things on the outside. Right. And and T Higgins was their deep threat last year. You know, both are great contested catch guys. Both can really, uh, you know, Higgins doesn't have the speed Chase has, but he can still stretch the field in a different way. So right. And, and both are big physical guys that can catch slants and take hits over the middle. So, really, you're becoming very versatile offensively. You know, I, I think we've seen the defense has started has become very versatile with linebackers that can do a lot of things and are really athletic. With Von Bell, who's basically a linebacker playing safety, um, you know, like now you've got that same type of, of versatility in, in, in my mind in your in your receiving core with those guys and and now you know now they're moving on from geo and now it's gonna be it's it's gonna be mixing mixing in there you know we'll see some of p ryan or somebody but like so mixing's gonna be asked to do some some more diverse stuff too so you're becoming something where you just put a group out there and you can be a lot of different things and i think a lot of different people can can fit into different roles um so i mean i don't know it's 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 the amoeba offense almost, you know, like they talk about the amoeba defense against playing different roles. Matt, just, just, tell, just tell them we're scary as hell now. We're scary. Mm-hmm. <laughs> These are scary hours. Mm-hmm. How much? While everybody's yeah. sitting there saying, well, Joe, you got to give Joe time or he's going to be on his back. Like, no, nah, we, we, 
we get we get the trenches straight. Now this draft is now dedicated to the trenches. Like at this point now, because yeah. every single thing that you just said just now, like they are a hundred percent firepower with the top of the league. <laughs> like they want Jamar Chase to me, like top of the league. And that that was my whole thing. Like Panay, and I think you said this on Civil War Part Two, and you asked Hugh Jackson. He kind of danced around it a little bit. Does this did Panay make you a top fifteen, top ten offensive line? You asked him specifically, does Panay make you, does he take you from the 24th ranked offensive line or 22nd offensive ranked line? You didn't say exactly those words. I'm paraphrasing. But does he take you from that and then put you top 10? And if the answer is no, then there's no value in the pick with, with it to me. Unless you did something where you did like uh, what the Colts did, where they went and got Quentin Nelson and then they came back with uh, Braden, uh, what was this, Braden Smith or something in the second round. You would have had to do something like that to convince me that it was real. And the one thing that I knew is that if you got Jamar Chase, now you have the most elite, you know, probably weapons in the in, in our in our division or close to it at the top of it. In 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 in, in the National Football League, you're automatically top ten weapons wise, top five weapons wise. We'll know by week two, week three, weapons wise, like that high. They won just by drafting one person. If you have the ability to be very, very good at something, take advantage of that. Don't keep on trying to catch up, get a penesal, get to the middle of the pack, and then, you know, you, the room for error is so slim. I feel like they could go down by 10, 12 points this year, and I think every single fan, just like we were this past year, is now really, really thinking the Bengals are going to come back. I, I do those lives, and, and and I never had this. This is the first year I ever did where everybody was saying, we're going to come back. Every single person. It was the weirdest thing. It was yeah. a three-four game stretch where the person that's in here right now that's saying we need offensive line, you didn't doubt Joe for one second, and Joe dropped back 40-something times. And you sat there and said, sling that thing, Joe. The same dude that's saying we should have got sold is that same guy right now. Now you're going to be saying, like, like I'm telling you, like, the, people have a, have a short-term memory. I go back and I go watch some of these clips and some of the, I save, like, a lot of stuff and I, like, group it by week. I go back and look, like, the temperature, it was like a three, four game stretch where you couldn't tell a Cincinnati fan nothing. All right, guys. Hey, hey, hey guys. I gotta, I, I gotta cut it off. Uh, All right. Here. I gotta, I gotta piece out. I gotta get up in the morning and stuff. But uh, another linebacker going. So that's yeah. That's another going for the Bengals. Uh, you know, freeing up a slot, opening up an opportunity in round two. But uh, yeah. Hey, thanks everybody for tuning in. Appreciate uh, you know, good, good chat with you guys. And and I'm sure uh, we'll be touching base over the next few days here uh, a little bit more. So yeah. Matt, Matt we did this last year. We did this last year. You remember this? We got to do this every we, single year. We did. You, man, you and I after like night two, we went to like like two in the morning or some shit, and there was still and, like hundred people I, watching. And and I was, not pulling no I'm There's a lot. There's <laughs> hundreds <laughs> watching right now. First of all, Anthony's cheating because he's on the West Coast. Second of all, me and Matt are pulling up. We're pulling all-nighters. You weren't pulling no all-nighters with us last year. We're doing this every year, baby. This is what we do now. <laughs> well, that just means I have to get home earlier, dude. I got to I gotta get home earlier to, to watch this stuff and cover this stuff. Um, uh, Zam, I can I can hang with you for a couple minutes if you if you want to still hang out. Um, no, no, you... I'm, I'm, I'm just.
Joking, I got <laughs> you got to bounce. I, yeah, I, I gotta get out of here right. too because I, I really gotta get myself ready for tomorrow. I need to go. go. I had a spreadsheet where I'm going over like the picks and stuff like that. I need to go get that stuff together. I need to like see what's going on in the world. Like I know we just went over some of those picks, but like it feels like I'm missing a lot too. So I want to well, be is, knowledgeable. This is the longest I have gone, uh, almost two hours and forty five minutes here. Uh, two 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 hours forty, dude. Thanks for coming on, Zim, uh, and bringing yeah. it. I'm glad you did. I think we're gonna try and do something for those listening still. Um, we're going to try and do something this weekend with, with the entire crew, um, yeah. Ace and Zim and Matt and John and, and myself. We're going to try and do something, just kind of a rat draft wrap-up show, talk about all of the things that the Bengals have done. Just real quickly for those, um, these are the last few picks here on the screen, so check that out. We're going to get going, oh, though. Jalen Phillips? Okay. Yeah, Jalen, Jalen Phillips went. Um, mm-hmm. But uh, surprisingly, the Dolphins – did not go offensive line. And you would have thought based, you know, don't they need to protect Tua? Tua Tua has been hurt. Don't they need to protect Tua? Don't they need to get that first round offensive lineman? I mean. I'm I'm here to tell everybody that the Dolphins line is like their fans are banking on the rookies ascending. I'm just mm-hmm. not a big, I'm not a big believer in it like that. Like, and I'm not just talking PFF. Like their line is not in better shape than us. They, they didn't have the luxury. It would have been malpractice. For them not to get Penesu, right? Right. right. Yeah, I, I don't, I don't know what what they're thinking because I don't know, either. I don't know. Well, Zim, we'll talk later this weekend. Everybody, enjoy the rest of night one. We'll be back night two and to wrap up the rest of the draft. Zim, you're the man, dude. Uh, we'll we'll catch we'll catch you soon. Um, yes, team Chase, right? Hashtag Team Chase, buddy. Chase your dreams, baby. It's happening, Anthony. <laughs> go tell your family. Go tell everybody. I'm gonna. I'm going go, I'm getting on the horn with my brother in just a second here. So we're gonna. We're gonna tell shoot the, say, shoot the shit dreams. about this. Tell him when we wake up tomorrow, we're gonna. We got a whole different affirmation on life. We're gonna. <laughs> we're gonna chase our dreams. Like, like if somebody gets on your work, on your nerves tomorrow, whatever. You're like, hey, look, I'm just chasing my dreams. You know. I love it. I love it. I'm got that, that's that's your new shirt. Burrow Babies was last year. Chase your dreams is this year. That's your new shirt, dude. Oh yeah, we had the print and press right now. We ready. <laughs> Take it easy, dude. Right, uh, thanks everybody. For, you too. Thanks everybody for tuning in again. This is Anthony Casenza with CincyJungle.com and the Orange and Black Insider. Get this show how you can. And by the way, we are brought to you by Symbol, S-I-M-B-U-L-L. Probably should have mentioned that a little bit earlier, but we've had a lot of things going on tonight. Uh, Symbol is the partner of our program. And if you haven't heard about them, if you haven't gone to their website, what the heck are you doing? They are, it's basically the stock market for sports. We're going to show you something here right now i don't know i after this pick i don't know what the Bengals are at per share they were at 25 dollars, but you see symbol s-i-m-b-u-l-l dot app slash obi and if you sign up using the promo code obi you get a ten dollar deposit bonus so um go take advantage of that and trade sports teams like stocks if you like fantasy football if you like to do all kinds of different stuff symbol is a really cool f- way to add that to your fantasy sports profile again get a ten dollar deposit bonus when you sign up using the promo code obi of course for orange and black insider and right around now i think the Bengals are at a 25 dollar value the hope is that you get you get them to buy low and like stocks you sell high and uh you make a little money on it but 
thanks everybody for tuning in i know it's been a long show we will see you uh i think we're gonna do listener questions if i got a voice tomorrow i don't know uh we're gonna do listener questions and maybe uh best available for for round two check that out and we'll break things down throughout the rest of the weekend thanks everybody take it easy